what's in the making and it is finally back. It's MotoGP season preview time on Bike Live. Let's go! Very, very warm welcome to all of you for joining us on this episode four of Ike Live here on Motorsport 101. And it's MotoGP season preview time as we look ahead to the season that gets underway this weekend in Qatar. MotoGP, Moto2 and Moto3 all getting underway on Sunday night under the lights at La Style. And we will preview all three classes over the course of this bumper show. Uh, I'm Lewis Sudderby, no Andre Harrison, unfortunately, this week. Um, but it's not just MotoGP making a big comeback this week. Um, because, true to her word, after a cameo appearance on last week's show, we've brought Rebecca James back. Welcome back, Bex. Oh, it's so good to be back. Hi, Lewis. Thanks for having me. I apologise for my uh, disgraceful, <laughs> hectic life that I have been living the past few weeks uh, that have meant that I've literally been contactable, and when I have been contactable, I've just literally been too tired to answer the phone, so... Yeah. That I apologise for, but I'm back now, so it looks like you've stuck with me again. Yeah, the listeners, Sorry. The listeners accept your apology. That was almost your next appearance was four months in the making, wasn't it? Um, but, uh, yeah, slightly. But, we, but we've, we've got you back. Um, and uh, yeah, Bex is going to be here to uh, lend her unique insight uh, <laughs> to the MotoGP season. Uh, I guess which rider she's particularly keen on. You'll soon find out if you're new to this. Um, over the course of the next couple of hours. Um, before we get into that, though, here are the different ways that you can find us, of course, if you need to bite live. Um, you can now follow us on Twitter. We are at motorsport underscore 101. Uh, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101. You can also follow us on our YouTube channel with show highlights of both motorsport 101 and bike live. It's youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101. Um, and we have our own website, motorsport101.net. And if you like us so much, then you want to back us financially, you can by backing us on Patreon, which this week passed $100 a month in Patreon support. So thank you to all of you for backing us um, each and every month. Um, Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Incidentally, that, um, that milestone that we passed this week means that Dre will be providing us with Google Hangouts each and every week for those of you who like screenshotting his giddy face. Um, which uh, may be particularly giddy next week if Sebastian Vettel does the business in Australia. Which brings us on to uh, the latest episode of Motorsport 101, which you can find by going to all of those channels I've just mentioned, uh, where Dre, King and RJ preview the new Formula 1 season, which of course also gets underway this weekend. Head to motorsport101.net for all the information. Yeah, go ahead, thanks. Sorry, Lewis. Um, I was just trying to write down all the different ways that we could get Mm. in contact. Um, I didn't quite get any of them can you just go through them again please uh yeah i can because uh bex needs to, <laughs> bex needs to change her twitter bio um uh, yeah it, it, it's at motorsport underscore 101 thank um, you um for uh for bex so um yeah she may have edited this by the time you actually hear this show so uh, that's <laughs> probably joke not i probably joke, won't offend yeah, the time if she hasn't that joke may uh, be funnier than it actually sounds um but let's talk motor gp then let's look ahead to the new season which gets underway under the lights in Qatar. it's actually got underway already with free practice earlier today um, and we'll cover that in a little bit. Uh, a certain Yamaha rider looks particularly frightening um, with his pace. He's going to play a big part in this preview, I think. Um, the season gets underway then in Qatar, March 26th, before the second round in Argentina at Termas Rio Hondo on April the 9th. Two weeks after that, it's the inevitable Mar- Marquez victory at the Circuit of the Americas. Uh, the European season <laughs> gets underway on May the 7th at Jerez um, before the traditional swing of European venues of Le Mans, Mugello, Barcelona, Assen and the Saxon Ring, which takes us into our summer break, which is five weeks long this year. Um, we reconvene on the 6th of August at Brno, um, which is back-to-back with Austria, our traditional Ducati victory there. 
Um, Silverstone host the British Grand Prix. Second, we're still paying them to host their party for them. That's August the 27th. Um, bank holiday weekend, then, incidentally, if you want to get yourself down to Silverstone. Uh, you've got no excuses. It's on the August bank holiday at the end of the month. Uh, Mizano hosts the San Marino round on the 10th of September. Uh, before Aragon hosts the penultimate European round on September the 24th. That's because we have our three Asia-Pacific races back-to-back. Mategi, Philip Island, and Sepang. Can we um, not talk about Philip Island? It's a delicate subject for me. It's delicate. Oh, why is that, Bex? Because I didn't check the calendar when I booked my amazing month-long holiday oh, no. to Australia. And I get into Melbourne on the Monday after... <sighs> the MotoGP because I'm going for the Speedway and uh, I'm, I'm obviously the Speedway isn't a month in Australia I'm just making it a month last a month um, and so I end up in Melbourne um, ready for the Speedway the Speedway is on the last weekend of October and last year the Grand Prix the MotoGP and the Speedway GP were on the same weekend so not thinking to check anything Booked the date, sorted everything out, travel agents organised all my flights and my hotels and everything. And then it suddenly dawned on me, oh, you're going to Australia in October, you know, the end of the season. Just have a quick look. And I literally could have cried. I get in about six hours too late. Well, you never know. The weather might red flag it a bit. You might catch the edge. Um, Bex is nothing if not meticulous in her preparation. (laughs) for whatever she does. Um, just to just to complete the story, by the way, the uh, final round of the season, uh, the final European round and the final round of the entire calendar is at Valencia. Uh, that's November the 12th, um, which uh, we hope to see a championship fight go right the way down to the wire. Here are the riders uh, that make up the grid. We'll cover them all um, at a varying level of detail in a moment. Um, but we have six factory teams on the grid from six different manufacturers. Of course, Honda, the defending champions. Uh, they have Matt Marquez and Danny Pedrosa, an unchanged lineup. Yamaha have one change to their lineup. In fact, Honda are the only manufacturer that have kept an unchanged lineup because Honda, um, Yamaha, should I say, have Maverick Vinales joining Valentino Rossi. That's because Jorge Lorenzo has departed for Ducati, where he joins Andrea Davizioso. Andrea Iannone is the odd man out there. He's left to join Suzuki, where he partners rookie Alex Rins. Uh, Aprilia also have a rookie. Bex will tell you who that is. Um, it's a Brit by the name of Sam Lowe's. Uh, he's alongside <laughs> Alicia Espargaro. KTM are new to the class with Bradley Smith and Paul Espargaro uh, moving across from Tech 3. Tech 3 lead the list of satellite teams. They have two rookies as well. Joan Zarco, the Moto2 double champion, and Jonas Falga. Uh, LCR, of course, have the only one-man team on the grid. That's Cal Crutchlow. Estrada Galicia and Mark Vidiès are unchanged. They have Jack Miller, Asim Winner, of course, from last year, alongside Tito Rabat. And a clutch of satellite Ducatis of various age. We have Petrucci and Redding for Pramac on Ducatis. Petrucci has a 17 Ducati, Redding a 16. Hector Barbara also has a 2016 Ducati for Avintia. He's alongside Loris Bazu, has a 2015 bike. Carol Abraham also has a 2015 bike for Aspar. His teammate is Alvaro Bautista. Um, Bexit, we say this almost every year, don't we, with MotoGP, that it's a star-studded grid. But um, this is probably the strongest grid that we've ever assembled for a MotoGP season. Oh, this... this it... The start of this season, look, the, the the grid for this season looks absolutely amazing. I mean, I was um, briefly, quickly in my lunch break reading through um, sort of some of the previous towards the season, and it's got like the most amount of uh, champions or something on the grid this year that mm. it, it's ever had. I can't remember the exact wording, um, and th- we've said it time and time again. This is the be all and end all 
of of two wheel motorcycle racing and so when you when you look at the lineup that we've got on the grid this season, it's just going to be an absolute privilege again to get to sit here on a whatever don't we end up managing to record it uh, due to our schedules um, and, and and really chew the fat over what's gone on on track because it's going to be an exciting season in all three classes. But MotoGP again, he's going to be really the one that gets the goat for everyone and and make everyone's weekend and Sunday go by a little bit better because it's been four months of starvation for me. About you. It, has. it has, yeah, it's gone all too slowly. Yeah, you're right, because when we look down the grid, you can go all the way through the grid and right the way to the back of the grid, which is where I think we're going to find the likes of Bradley Smith, Sam Lowe's, Paulus Spargaro through this season. hate to say it, but I think it's probably true. Um, but they're all, uh, two of those three that I've just mentioned, are world champions. Um, and they're, mm-hmm. all, they're all Grand Prix winners. Sam Lowe's is a world supersport champion. Paul's a Moto2 champion. Um, Bradley Smith is a runner-up in 125 and a Grand Prix winner. In one two five, you've got guys like Tito Rabat, who's a Moto Two champion. He'll be somewhere near the back of the grid. You've got guys from front to back who have all won world titles and won world class level Grand Prix or, or Superbike Supersport races. So it is such a strong grid lineup um, that we're looking forward to seeing this season. And it's being led by the defending champion Mark Marquez, um, mm-hmm. who defends his title at Repsol Honda. Um, just looking back on last season, Bex. I mean, the the record books won't necessarily reflect it. Um, for Matt Marquez in that it was one of the great seasons because he didn't break the all-time points record. He didn't get the all-time wins as he did in, in 2014. Um, yeah, he did win the championship with three races to spare, but you know a lot of his title rivals kind of tripped themselves up. But mm. it was one of the all-time great Grand Prix championship winning seasons, wasn't it? In terms of what Matt Marquez had to overcome, <clears throat> there are very few championship campaigns we've ever seen that quite match up to that. The value riders that we've ever seen that could quite match up to that as well. It just goes to prove how phenomenal he was last season. The fact that he was given a bike unfit for purpose and he managed to get to do the job. And yes, you can look at it if you really dislike Mark Marquez and say, you know what, he was lucky because this happened, this happened, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 and bore me to tears if you really want. Or you can look at it and give him the credit that he deserves. They rode the bits off that bike last season and he managed to get the championship. Ultimately, that was the, the goal for Honda at the start of the season, and their bike just wasn't fit for it. And Mark Marquez went out there weekend after weekend and stuck it on the line and came away with the goods. Um, you know, all right, we've got to look at what happened to, to like, the likes of Rossi and Lorenzo where they started falling by the wayside, but he was still there picking up the points when those pair were tripping themselves up. So, you know, he was an incredible talent last year. And records for me, you know, Mar Marquez broke so many records in his first few seasons in MotoGP. I'm getting bored of saying he's broken off one and he's broken off one. You know, yes. I quite like the fact that we can turn around and say you won the world championship. And you know what? He's pretty, pretty boring because he had not break any. Yeah. The way I see it with Mark Marquez, and I, I said this in the season preview that I wrote for the Czech flag this week, in that for me last year, Mark Marquez, it was a very rare season where Mark Marquez won the World Championship in spite of the bike he was on, rather than, mm. rather than because of it, which is what you usually say. You usually mm. say a rider wins the championship because he's on the best bike. It wasn't the case of Marquez for a lot of last season. And you have to say, Bex, I mean, looking at preseason testing, he, he's been quick whenever, wherever he's been. Mm. He hasn't necessarily always been consistently quick, but... It strikes me as if Repsol Honda have kind of fallen into the same trap that they have for the last two seasons, in that Mark Marquez is very, very quick, 
but he always looks as if he's on the verge of a crash while he's doing it. And mm. the last two seasons, we've seen Rapsol Honda create a bike which is very, very quick, but the engine's too aggressive for the electronics to actually tame it and give Marquez a bike he can work with. And it kind of looks as if Honda will fall into that same trap again. Yeah, unfortunately, it does appear to be the fact that, you know, they're just not quite giving him the performance that he needs. And all motorcycle riders ride on the limit, you know, at, at some point during the race. They they push just a little bit further to just get that extra few temps between them or whether it be in practice or whether it be in qualifying or even in the race, you know. But for me, you, you are right. And I say this as a massive Marquez fan. Mm. Watching him every weekend, I'm literally down to the nail beds. Yes. So you can imagine when we've got a few weekends on the trot, um, like when we've got uh, when we come over to Europe and when we go back over to like the Asia Pacific ones, I'm literally going to be down to my knuckles because I bite my fingers so much watching him ride. Like he scares the living life out of me. There was one day and at in the Qatar, moment, in the Qatar test. There was one day where he crashed three times. Yeah, I mean, it's just. He's an incredible talent to be able to, to, to ride on the limit as long as he does, as often as he does, as consistently as he does, and to a degree as safe as he does. He does nothing for my heart rate no. or my fingers um, because my heart rate is sky high and my fingernails are non-existent, but it provides great entertainment, so who gives a damn about me? Um <laughs> But it's almost as if it's almost as if Honda's attitude has been, well, it almost doesn't matter how good a bike we have, exactly. because Mar- Marquez will compensate. But, um, but uh, they, that's uh, the but, thing. Yeah, but they may not really... be able to get away with that for much longer. No, but that's what I was going to say. You know, I think that this season they they are really going to struggle if that's the mantra that they're going into. Mark Marquez can ride the arse off that bike as much as he likes. We're not, and I'm not taking anything away from his challenges last season, but this season they've got someone that could make it a very, very different outcome. There's a very hungry whiz kid on mm. a certain blue bike yeah. that is after that title and can bloody well go and do that. And, you know, I wouldn't. Even, he's not even going to be a shock if and when he does it at the end of 2017. It's not going to be a shock. And, you know, there's only so much a human can do. And Mark Marquez is not human anyway, but the machine's got to come up with something at some point as well. And, Honda need to get their arse into gear um, because I think they're going to finally get it bitten because Maverick Vinales ain't shy in coming forward, let's be honest. So um, they really need to sort the performance issues out. And they you know, they can't leave it up to Mark Marquez. He's, he's so on the edge. He's practically over the other side of the cliff anyway. Yeah. you know. And it, it's not fair on him to hit all the pressure to be on him. And that's not taking anything away from Danny, but... Danny can't ride the way Marquez does. Danny can't ride that bike and push that bike to the point that Marquez does week in, week out. It just, it just, it, that's not the type of rider that Danny Pedrosa is. So Marquez is the one that leading that team and doing everything for that team and developing the bike. And, it, you know, for him to solely go on and win that purpose, he might as well be a one-man band hmm. because he's not getting any other support. So Honda, sort your lives out. Give them something they can work with and make a championship out of this because I reckon Vinales is going to sneak up on you so fast he'll be into the next corner before you've even gone oh there he is pal and before you know you ain't going to be able to react in time it's going to be the point where you, you you let championship points after championship points slip through your fingers because you ain't got your bike good enough at the start of the season 
and it's going to be bigger than every stream to climb if Maverick Vignard has got his nose out in front. I'm sorry, but they need to sort it out. Mm, yeah, we're going to get And I don't know why I went scouse there then, because <laughs> yeah. I got angry. What's he talking about? <laughs> calm down, calm down. Um, but no, uh, st sticking with Honda for a moment, um, and the aforementioned Danny Pedroza, who he, mm. he actually looked really, really good today in pre-practice, and he's looked all right over the winter. The big question, I'm not saying for, that. The big question, I suppose, for Danny uh, Bex is, which Pedroza are we going to get? Are we going to get the Danny Pedroza that started last season? or the Danny Pedrosa that finished last season as arguably the series' form rider? Well, exactly. You know, I'm not taking anything away from Danny. And, I've, I've, you know, I've knocked him in the past. I'm not going to lie about that. I've said that I think maybe he's, he's sort of coming out of his peak now. And I, I'll hold my hands up and admit that. And then you'll guarantee, I'll say that in the next race, you'll go and prove me wrong because he'll put the performance of his life in. It's like it gets to the point where he knows he's got a race for to, to stay in everyone's minds or you know, to, to keep the critics off his back. And he'll put one good performance in, and then, you know, the next few, he'll finish, you know, fifth, sixth, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever, and, you know, not have the best. It could be, if we start the season in the form of Danny Pedrosa, the way we ended it, that would be great. But he's then got to continue that form, you know, with so many peaks and troughs. And I know his injury here, I know he, you know, he's not the... the the fit young rider that he was a few years ago and you know he, he struggled badly and it's an absolute miracle that he's still on the bike you know and racing to a standard that he does race week in week out because he's had some horrendous injuries um a lot of people you know people would have called time and it says a lot about his character that he hasn't but you know when you're going into a, on, into a Friday morning and you go, oh, well, I don't know which Danny Pedrosa's got out of bed, then that for me is an issue. And that's where I'm saying the Honda need to sort themselves out because if, you're, if you've got that question going into every race, you you, you know, it's not going to be, the, is, did he start it? This is no okay. Or is he going to end this season? Okay. It's going to be, well, he might have a good first race, but the next one might be absolutely horrendous. You know, mm. the peaks and troughs with Danny and, He's, he's a quality, quality rider. He's, he's a guy oh, that everyone wants to see win a world championship, isn't he? I think, right, I, I, as I've just said, I've knocked Danny Pedrosa in, in the past. I, I've knocked the way he rides. I've knocked sometimes the, the attitude that maybe he comes across with. But, by God, I actually think I would shed a tear if he won the world title because I don't mm. think there is a rider left on that track any more deserving than a MotoGP world title in his belt. And I, I just, do you know, I'd give anything to see him win the, the, the title. Um, and, and he's he's clearly still believing he's that still, he can do it too. Because it's interesting yeah. for this winter because he's made changes to his sort of off-track um, program. Because all so many riders now have their own sort of rider coaches and spotters. Um, mm. Valentino made such changes, didn't he, over the course mm -hmm. of leading up to last season. Danny Pedrosa has brought in Sete Gibber now. Uh, into mm. into his into his side of the Repsol Honda garage is his sort of rider coach slash spotter. Um, so so he's clearly taking this very very. Dre will be happy. Please. Yeah, Dre, Dre one of Dre's old heroes as a child growing up. Dre um, loves watching MotoGP. So um, yeah, uh, Dre may suddenly be hanging his hat in the twenty six side of the Repsol Honda garage uh, with Jibber <laughs> now uh, lurking in the background there. Um, so uh, yeah, Danny still believes without question. Danny doesn't see himself as the uh, the understudy to Marquez. He still believes he's got a world championship in him, and, and totally agree with you. I think we'd all shed a tea. I think the whole paddock would if Danny got it done. Uh, National year. holiday. National holiday in Spain if he gets it done. I think we'd suggest one here if he got it done, quite frankly. Oh, uh, yeah. I'd have a national holiday here. So that's fine. 
The paddock's Spanish, so we can't do that. Uh, but um, but moving, on to, moving on to the second of our manufacturers then, and um, yeah, um, the uh, Valentino Rossi might say sod Spain by the time the season's <laughs> all said and done. Um, because into the Movistar Yamaha <clears> team <throat> strides Maverick Vinales as a replacement for Jorge Lorenzo, who's departed for Ducati. Um, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, but but what I find interesting, what I find hilarious here, Bex, is um, remember when this signing was made last, last summer? Um, yep. well, last spring, when Vinales was signed at uh, Movistar Yamaha, and so many people on Twitter were saying, oh, that'll be nice for him. He gets a couple of years as Valentino Rossi's understudy before he retires and he takes over the team. I don't need Maverick <laughs> waiting. He's taking <laughs> over already. Yeah, someone needs to teach this kid the, the virtue of patience because you do not walk into Movistar Yamaha, line up next to Valentino Rossi. And then blow him off the track in your foot. Like you're the first season you, you line up next to him in the Free in the, practice today. Maverick it's was just 1. incredible. It's quicker than Valentino. Uh, he is absolutely a phenomenal, phenomenal kid, and I cannot wait to see this battle unfold. I like the phrase "out of the darkness come off the light." Um, maybe when this signing was made um, a few months back, that's what Valentino Rossi thought was out of the darkness of the, the arguments and the fights and the mm. quite clearly bad air that was between him and Lorenzo. Come with this light, this young kid, going to respect him, you know, going to listen to what he says, learn to be the next Valentino Rossi. And he's literally <laughs> just decided, nah, sod that, mate. This is what I'm going to do. And now I'm going to teach you what I've... Uh, he's just incredible. I, I'm so excited for this I might be eating my words, but because I still want Mark Marquez to win the title, I might, I might shed a tear for Danny if he won it. Might, maybe, probably, but I'm always going to want Mark Marquez to win the championship. There's no, never in doubt is that going to happen. Um, I might be a bit miffed that um, Maverick Vinales is so good, but uh, by the time the uh, Valencia comes, because obviously he'll just he's. I've already had it said to me so many times he's going to kick Marquez's ass this season. He looks, so. he looks scarily good. Um, it has to be said. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, I think we've all known how that he's, he's he's a special talent. I mean, I I still remember when I first saw him on a one two five back back in twenty eleven, and he won his fourth ever Grand Prix in the one two five, beating Nico Tirol, who went on to become that year's champion in one two five. Beat him in a straight fight in his fourth ever race as a sixteen year old. Um, did Maverick Vinales. Um, mm -hmm. So I think we knew from then how good he was. We saw him win his second of Moto2 race. We saw him win last season on a Suzuki in MotoGP at the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. We were both there to see it. Um, yes. And it was one of those I was there moments to see Maverick mm -hmm. win his first MotoGP race. Um, but the guy has since gone on. So he's joining Movistar Yamaha. He's been fastest at all four winter tests on four different kinds of racetracks. He was quickest on his very first outing on a Yamaha at Valencia, the tight twisty Valencia. He was then quickest at the sweltering Sepang. He was then quickest at the super fast Phillip Island, then quickest at the technical, um, tricky Losile. He then went into free practice one today, as we record this, and was quickest by 0.6 of a second, would you believe, on that Movistar Yamaha. Um, we all thought he was good, Beck, so I didn't think we thought he was this good. And are we actually talking about a guy here making his debut with the team who is genuinely the title favourite? Yeah, well, I mean, cast your mind back a few years ago when we had another certain hungry Spanish rider burst onto the scene and just blow everyone and every record out, out the book. Um, and, you know, at the same time, we were watching this kid 
in the lower classes and we both said I recall my I recall the words not coming out of my mouth. I don't know about Adam whether you just agreed or batted my opinion to the one side like you normally do. <laughs> saying that he's <laughs> job. job actually you probably did do this, you know, that Maverick really nice is gonna come through and he is gonna be the next kid on the block that's the next markers that comes onto the scene, wins the championship, um, you know, as, as soon as physically possible. It wasn't physically possible on the Suzuki, but it's physically possible now. It's going to be his first real chance, and he, I will be surprised if he doesn't win it. Um, you know, start smashing these records that Marquez was blowing himself at the water a few years ago, and he is going to be the next Mark Marquez. And oh yeah. my God, can you imagine if them pair ever got into a team together? Yeah, oh, I think, it's I think just... Mark may veto that one. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'd veto that one as because well. But, you you, you know. hinted this earlier on, because I know you mentioned when we were talking about Mark, you mentioned Vinales, and you almost like can't mention one without the other now yeah. in MotoGP. They... And Valentino's obviously, his time is starting to run out. He's not going to have many mm. more years left. Um, no. Lorenzo, we can never write off, but he is on a Ducati, so there is still an unknown there. Are mm-hmm. we looking here at... I mean, I called my Check and Flag season preview a rivalry for the ages... Are we looking here at a MotoGP head-to-head, a rivalry that could carry the sport for the next decade? Oh, God, yeah, because they're both in their, you know, lower... And they they are in their early 20s. Mark Mark Marquez turns 24 on the 12th of February. Nick, I didn't want to point that one out, (laughs) Lewis. Mark Marquez is slightly older than me by about eight months, so that's it. I'm not going to say about Maverick Vinales because he's going to make me feel old, let alone you. But, shh. No, I remember being 22. It was only a few months back. Um, but for me, you know, they mirror one another so much. There are so many comparisons you can make between the two that their thrill, their excitement, their aggression, their want to win, their want to put their body on the line. They, they, absolutely they don't everything. Do they? That's no, what no. And for me, that is what's going to bring in, as you say, the young blood from the kids that are going to start watching it. This is going to be the likes of Valentino Rossi was for us or the likes of Casey Stoner was for us when we started getting into this sport. You know, they're going to be the ones that carry you through to your mid-20s, your late-20s, when you're starting to watch it as a, you know, a geeky 10-year-old that just loves the sound of fast bikes. I always think of, like, you know... I'm sure everyone listening to this show has seen that video on Facebook of Silverstone last year where there's that kid in the Valentino Rossi shirt and he just, literally, every time I watch that video, you know, he's fake. The hairs on the back of my neck and on my arms stand up because there's just, all I see there is a young kid that probably doesn't, you know, really understand everything, but has just got the sheer love and passion for a sport that he's only going to grow. And these are the two that are going to carry him through. These are two that he's going to remember. These are going to be his first memories. Is probably the battle between these two this season. And he'll look back on that and go, yeah, you know, that is one of the, you know, the massive turning point. And that's what we're going to get for, for the next 10 years. And I physically can't wait. The fact that we're looking at a point, we've got two of the front runners, the two title contenders, all under the age of 25, one of which has already won three world uh, MotoGP championships anyway. You know, it's absolutely astonishing the point and where we are with MotoGP at the moment. And it is an absolute pleasure. And people need to start realising that. Yeah. And I mean, 
you know, we, I spoke about, and I keep going back to this point because it's so pivotal for me whenever anyone says who's going to be the bigger legend in years to come, or will it be Rossi or will it be Marquez? For me, it will be Marquez. And I will, you know, I, I'm sorry, I keep mentioning it, Lewis, but I've not mentioned it on this platform yet, so I think it's allowed. Um, that, you know, on my, one of my favourite holiday resorts or one of my favourite beaches in the, where I go on holiday had a Marc Marquez painted by kind of fairground ride for kids. We never had a Valentino Rossi one. For you know, when I was a kid, there wasn't yeah, a Valentino Rossi one, but Sport headquarters uh, that one. Um, yeah, but, uh, but but you know, now there's a Mark Marquez one, and now there's gonna. I reckon in two years' time, we'll probably have two bikes next to one of the one Marquez, one Vinales, and you pick your side. But yeah, you I can't see. Yeah, I can't see how you can't view my, uh, Maverick Vinales as one of, if not the title favourite. He's young, he's got the ambition, he's got the skills, he's got the speed. He showed all of that on the Suzuki. And now he's going into 2017 on one of the, if not the fastest bikes in the class. Um, if you don't turn around and go, do you know what, I'm going to have him each way. Do you even watch MotoGP? Like, you're just throwing money away for, for nothing if you don't have him as one of your guys to win. Um, come come the end of the season, he's an absolute phenomenal talent, and I can't wait to see what he can do on a bike that can actually win the championship. He was a joy to watch on the Suzuki. Boy, God, is he going to smash everyone at the park on that Yamaha? Yeah, he's uh, he's going to take some stopping. I'm actually just while while you're talking there, I'm, I'm trying to look up the odds, the betting odds for this season because I'd imagine he probably. I wonder if he is the type favourite, Marvin Yalis. I'll have a quick look. Right, let's have a look at this um, because. I can't see how he can't make him the favourite at the moment. He was, I mean, he was oh, so no, normally quick today, uh, was Maverick, looking at his at his his pace in pre-practice. And it wasn't just over one lap that we saw him do this. It was just lap after lap after lap um, that, that Maverick was quickest. Um, let's have a look. Maverick, Mark Marquez is the actual William Hill, which is uh, our betting, uh, well, betting company of choice because Dre works for them. Um, oh, see, Mar- I was going on Skybet, so I... <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't find it on there, so I looked somewhere else. Mark Marquez is a 6-4 favourite. Maverick Vinales is 13-8, so literally, they're pretty much the same. Uh, Maverick Vinales is ever so slightly longer odds. Um, But uh, I'd pile on that 13-8 now if I was you, um, because it's going to get an awful lot shorter by Sunday. (laughs) It's only going to get a lot, lot narrower. Uh, Let's um... let's talk about his teammate, though, um, Maverick Vinales, because Mm. we're probably in the minority of of motorcycle racing shows, um, which hasn't opened up with, hey, what about Rossi? Um, But but let's talk about Valentino Rossi, because if we look at pre-season testing, Bex, um, whichever testing timesheets you look at, whichever motorsport website or news report you look at, they all send back the same signal that Valentino is struggling. Mm. And it yes. doesn't seem as if he's playing possum. It seems as if he is genuinely in trouble. No, he do, it does look like this is a genuine... I don't think that Valentino Rossi is one to try and play mind games this early on. He's one that saves the mind games towards the end of the season where he's, you know, he can see his competitors start flagging and that's where the the tricks and everything comes out. And I honestly, I, I don't see what my, uh, Valentino Rossi would get out of making everyone else believe that he's actually slow, like you know, a lot slower than we expected. I think it's a genuine problem that he's genuinely facing and doesn't know how to resolve this at, the, at this I present still, moment I still in time. Be surprised if he figures it out. I mean, I'm not saying he's not going to no. figure it out, but I'm saying at the moment he's genuinely struggling and genuinely can't bad. see a, a, a way 
uh, to, to challenge it around, and, and it'll be the point. He, I don't think he bargained on his new teammate being quite this quick. So well, either. I've just looked at. I haven't looked at overall sort of out and out uh, championship winning odds. I've just looked at race odds for Qatar for Sunday. Maverick Vinales is eleven to ten. Mm. <laughs> uh, Marcus three to one. Rossi five to one. Jorge Lorenzo thirteen to two. Make of that what you will. I like thirteen to two on Lorenzo, given that it's a Ducati, mm. given we're talking about. Um, Qatar as well. Um, but, uh, Let's have a look at what Sam is. I'm just just out of oh, notes. Come on. <laughs> he, he, he won one particular. Try, try and guess. Please try and guess these um, odds. <laughs> what? How three figures or four? Um, <laughs> he's he's got to be. He's got to be. What? He's got to be top. <laughs> 501 to like that? 300 to 1. 300 to 1. Because I know Bradley was around that sort of. Yeah, they're the same. They're the same odds. The same odds. Yeah, so I assume Sam was somewhere near there. Scott Redding is sixty-six to one. Yeah, yeah. Bex is getting giddy already, and we're barely going half an hour. Let's save. Let's save Sam for later. We'll come on to him in a little bit. But yeah, let's let's move on from Yamaha. As I say, we think Valentino Rossi. He'll probably figure it out eventually. But I guess the question is: Is Maverick too far up the road in terms of points to for him to pull him back? Uh, let's talk about the man that Ducati have signed, that Yamaha have said goodbye to at the end of last season, and they don't appear to be missing him, do they? Um, it's Jorge Lorenzo, who has joined Ducati alongside Andrea De Vizioso. I mean, for a number of years, Bex, Ducati have looked like the kind of team who just need that one like, last missing piece of the jigsaw to finally mm. get it right, to finally go from podium contenders to championship contenders. Is Jorge Lorenzo that missing piece of the jigsaw? Um... Yes, maybe. Firstly, I just need to point out that he looks horrendously wrong in those red and white levers. I just can't get used, used to them. On, I can't get used to them. Like, literally, I don't think there's been a time where I've not seen him in his leathers yet that I haven't laughed. I'm sorry. I just It just doesn't look right. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't, it just doesn't suit him. I, I don't know. I just can't put my thing. It just looks very strange. Um, But anyway, that was beside the point. I just needed to, to, to make that point i just yeah i'll probably will rip him all of this weekend while i'm watching the highlights when i get five minutes to actually sit down just because it just looks so bad um but for me uh ducati have always been the forever nearlys but they're not quite theirs um and in fairness to ducati you know and, and to what they've tried to do and what they have done is bar getting mark marquez the reigning world champion into their team, I don't think you could have asked for anyone better, really, to come in and try and work their magic. We've just bigged up Maverick Vinales, and yes, he's a quality rider, but you know, he's he's now coming into one of the top three uh, bikes in, in 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 a sense, and and to to prove his worth. Whereas the likes of Lorenzo and Marcus have been there for a few years, and you know they've got the championships behind them in the top class, and you know what they can do on a top class bike. They're going to bring the experience and the knowledge to a team that needs that in it to, to, to be considered one of the best. So they couldn't have asked for anyone better, really, in, in my opinion. Lorenzo is very technically minded and he's very knowledgeable. So that will be a bonus to Ducati. Um, you know, they need to start bringing up the front now. I know that that was sounded a very. I had to think about that because it's not the phrase is normally bringing up the rear, isn't it? They need to start bringing up the front. Um, 
in terms of being considered of, uh, uh, you Over know, when you make up analogies, it's brilliant. Uh, it's great, isn't it? You've missed this for for four <laughs> months, so you're getting them like literally by the boatload tonight. Um, you know, it, it's a factory deal, and for me, they just haven't quite been good enough. Um, no. And I'm not taking anything away from Dovi or Ianona in terms of what they did for Ducati. I just don't think it was the right combination to, for, for, for Ducati to go on leaps and bounds. And, and now it might just be that um, for them to be regular front runners, for them to be regular pole visitors, for them to be regular podium guys, rare, and eventually for them to become regular title and genuine title contenders, it is the right move. It's just a move that I'm not used to yet. No, he's got, and it will also, take me a while. Yeah, he's not used to it either. He's got nine years' worth of habits to try and shake off in terms of how mm -hmm. to ride the Yamaha and how to ride a Ducati. They're exactly. Very, very different. Um, so he's almost having to sort of retrade himself in how to ride a bunch of TV bikes. Because on a Yamaha, he could let off brakes quite early and sort of ease into the corner and carry the corner speed. On a Ducati, he has to brake as late as he dares. Um, mm -hmm. So he basically used the Ducati's great strength and it, the top end speed and heavy braking. And get it into yeah. the corner, and yeah, that'll be fun when it's raining. Yeah, it'll be fun when it's raining as well. Cause the, <laughs> well just as well for him, because the Ducati's good in the wet, because Jorge certainly isn't. Um, so, so that'll be fun to watch. Um, his, his teammate uh, Andrea Dovizioso, he's I saw an amazing stat this week. Uh, I can't remember who shared it on Twitter that Jorge Lorenzo, in his entire Grand Prix career from the beginning of one two fives, he hasn't started a single Grand Prix that didn't have Andrea uh, Dovizioso in it. Uh, in that they've been on the same grid right through their careers. Every time Lorenzo wow. has moved up a class, Dobby's moved up with him. Um, and now they're teammates uh, at Ducati. And Dobby's no slouch, is he? As he, as he showed oh, last God, season, no. uh, winning that Grand Prix in Malaysia so brilliantly, um, beating Valentino in the wet at Sepang. Um, he's going to provide a, a fair old benchmark for Jorge Lorenzo, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, we discussed this at length when Ducati turned around and said that you know, one of them wasn't going to be... Yeah, well, when it came out, they didn't release at first who they were going to actually fire. And I voiced my opinions in saying why they should keep Iannone. In hindsight, with the way, you know, Davizioso then continued on his form, I actually think they've made the right choice. I actually do think that Lorenzo and Davi will make a brilliant partnership for Ducati. They are both long-standing riders in, in the top class and they've both got a lot of credentials beyond them. So for, for me, Dovi is a fantastic, you know, permature. In, you know, I think you're literally going to be carrying it at the Ducati garage at one point because he's just not going to leave. Um, he's, he's just going to be a permanent fixture for them. And I think that consider sort of continuousness, that's not the right word, but you know what I mean, yeah, continuality. We'll Oh, yeah. no, don't, don't, don't make it worse. Don't <laughs> dig in back. Um, he's something that really is going to secure secure Ducati. And I, I hope to... I, I really hope to God that... Is that the word we're searching for? That's there? the one I was looking for. There we go. Continue, 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 yeah, yeah, that, that one. one. <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm tired. I've got a lack of caffeine in my body. I've literally... I've had withdrawal symptoms for the last three hours because I haven't had any coffee. <laughs> You'll get to learn the fact that I live off coffee. Um, but I've, I've been cut off for my today. I've had my limit of my, like, seven cups or so of very strong caffeine. Like, bouncing off the walls. Um, but, yeah, that was a very... Yeah, that was a very wayward subject. I'm very sorry. Yeah. Um, 
why this is why we miss you from this show. Uh, yeah, yeah, this so, is what um, you've got to get used yeah. to, folks. Thanks, you thanks just for that um, valuable contribution on, on Andrea Davizioso. Uh, but uh, but uh, he's, um, <laughs> no, yeah, he's, he, a, he's a worthy... He is uh, Jonathan Ray in MCN this week. Uh, somebody up so well where he said he is a workhorse. Um, and, he, and he really, really is. He does all the you, hard yards. Um, I was going to say, you know, if you've got him in your garage next to you, you know... The, the workload isn't going to be put all on you. It's going to be 50-50. He's going to come up with the goods. He's going to be able to be there and support you and really push you along. And for, for me, in, in teamwork, in terms of what the factory wants, they, they want both riders to be able to contribute um, in order to bring the bike to, to be a better standard of and, and a better, better quality. You can't ask for anyone better in the paddock. I don't care what you say than Android Divisio. So simple straightforward and dusty and ducati been working their asses up as well with um yeah. new fairings for their bike I and mean, we talked about this on the last show myself and bray um about the new head fairing that they brought to their bike which looks like that partly because it looks like a hammerhead and partly because it looks like someone's taking a sledgehammer to the old fairing and put holes in mm. it um but uh that's not actually going to be raced at, at qatar this weekend they haven't had it homologated for this weekend they're obviously sticking with the old one but Ducati, uh, they're, I think they're pretty, they make pretty clear they're prepared to throw as much money as it takes at this before it actually works, which includes throwing a big fat checkbook at Jorge Lorenzo uh, to bring him on board. So they are serious Good. about this Ducati. So, uh, yeah, and I think it'd be great for the sport if we have three different manufacturers all fighting up there for the championship. If we have the likes of Marquez, Vinales, Rossi and Lorenzo on three different bikes all up there up the front. Um, the sport can only benefit from that. On to the fourth of our manufacturer teams then. And Suzuki, uh, who uh, have uh, lost their prize asset, Maverick Vinales, to Yamaha. They've replaced him with uh, the Ducati refugee, Andrei Iannone. Um, and they've also brought in a rookie, Alex Rince, who we'll talk about in a little bit when we cover the rookies later on. Um, but Suzuki, I mean, it's almost like that difficult... I, mean, I was going to say second album. It's kind of their third album. It's their third season in MotoGP, but... How yeah. on earth, Beck, can they realistically look to hit the same heights that Maverick hit for them last year? Um, put all the pressure on God's earth on Iannone's shoulder and hope to God he uh, swims rather than sinks. Because mm. um, we're not because... quite sure which of the two it will be yet, are we? Because Iannone is that yeah. kind of unpredictable guy. Oh, God, yeah. When he gets he's it right, he gets it one. right. Exactly. When, when, when he's on form and when he has the pace behind him and has the belief in himself... He is virtually untouchable. Um, it's just when he has one of those off weekends all too often, and, and that's what costs you a seat at one of the supposed top factories and gets it replaced by an, a former champion in the same class. But for me, Suzuki came on leaps and bones with un, un, under Maverick Vinales. They proved that last season. I mean, I remember... Andre Harrison laughing at me when I said Suzuki would get a podium. Albeit, this was when it was their first season back. It was their first season back. But if you remember, I said that it was at the very start of the season. I was like, they're going to start off slow and they're gradually going to get better. Albeit slow, but they gradually will. And then, you know, the podium will come. And literally, I actually think Dre probably fell off his sleep with laughter. Uh, it was He found it wholly hilarious that I could even predict this. Obviously, it didn't come true exactly when I exactly thought it would. But, uh, you know, it came true in the end. And I would like to think that Iannone would be mature enough to take that mantra on because Vignani's worked so hard to get Suzuki up to the point. It was actually taken... I want to say they were taken seriously 
at that point, you know, at sort of last season with the with the performances that Vinales was pulling out. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I, I just I'm, I, I don't think I, it's going to happen. Well, that's the thing. I, I I'm the opposite. I kind of think it, I don't know why, but I just kind of think that might work. You know, in a, at Suzuki because Suzuki is kind of an underdog team. Um, in MotoGP, and that's yeah. the way they're being an underdog team, they're going to be prepared to embrace the craziness uh, of Crazy oh. Joe, Andre Iannone, because they're going to have to. They're going to have to accept the rough with the smooth, aren't they, with Iannone? You, you have to, you get yeah. what, you, what you see is what you get from him. Um, and they've got they, they've gone the same route as, as the BT Sport commentators mentioned earlier on during practice. They've gone the same route as they've gone in previous years with Viales and LH, where they've gone for one experienced rider and one young charger. Um, the young mm-hmm. charger here being Rins. Um, and you know he has shown, as we as you saw last year when he won in Austria, on his day, he's as good as anyone. He's incredible. Um, so yeah. you know, if he has one of those days on the right day, then Suzuki may well shock us. It's just whether they can be as consistently good uh, as they were last year with Vinales. I guess that's a big worry for them. I think the thing this season, and you, you kind of touched on it there, is that this season they're going into the 2017 season with two riders with a sheer lack of fear that neither rider cares who, what, anything is in its path. Literally. Mm. Um, uh, poor Seagull. Um, <laughs> I was really hoping someone got my reference there and I didn't quite know if you did, so I just thought I'd you know, fix it in. Um, they literally need... And that is a good thing to having probably one rider and then you've got your your backup plan. Uh, but this season, I, I just get the feeling that it's going to be total carnage for the first half and then it possibly could start turning around for the second half of the season where they start sort of calming down a little bit maybe. But they just, both both Rins and Iannone to me, when I think of them and I think of their characters and how they are on the bike, they're just like full in a troll in the shop. They yeah. just... They just go and go and go, and they don't care who, what, or where they are, or, or what's in their path. If they see a, if they see a gap, they will go for it and more, and, and let you. They they're not shying coming forward and telling you and showing you their front wheel and telling you that they're there. They're not shy on leaning on you, and you know they're not going to be taken lightly. They're not going to be bullied out of situations. You put in actual fact, they're probably going to be the ones bullying themselves into. Situations situations because they both seem quite a, a, a don't, aggressive in a good way yeah. um, and, and that's the only thing that's concerning me in terms of progression for Suzuki mm, yeah one of them is going to have to lead that team um, yeah. this season. we're not quite sure at the moment which of them it's going to be um, <laughs> it'll be like the blonde into the blue blonde yeah yeah, it is. It's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to watch Suzuki because um, they they appear again to have a very very good bike um, in in under the right conditions and you just wonder whether you know is going to be the kind of guy that will make the most of it when it is uh, when those conditions do present themselves. Two factories mm-hmm. to go, two manufacturers to go. Next up is Aprilia. Um, now we'll we'll park their rookie to one side for a moment, Beck. We'll I was gonna say on, we'll come on to him shortly. Um, no, thank you, sir. Oh, I don't want to chat. Because because the rookies uh, we're gonna cover the rookies separately in a little bit. Um, which is why we haven't really talked much about Rins just now. Um, but Aprilia, they they made, um, under the radar, some very, very good progress towards the end of last season. Um, mm-hmm. And in Alessia Spargro, they have a rider who seems to relish riding under the radar. He seems always seems to be one of those riders who, 
when he's in a team, like when he was on that CRT bike with Aspar, he always seems to be a little bit higher than you expect him to be. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, Alessio Spargaro has already put in some eye-catchy performances on that Aprilia. And we saw towards the end of last season, didn't we, that they were they were getting into the top 10. They were getting into Q2. Um, you've got to think that Alessio is good enough to do that again for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the way I view Alessio Spargaro is the fact that he's very much a team player. He will come in, he will do his job, he won't cause any trouble. He won't get involved in any of the bitching, the backstabbing, the fighting. He will he will come in, go about his business, never gets the recognition or the thanks that he deserves and goes home. I think that was part of the why he ended up consistent. leaving Suzuki, wasn't he? Because he didn't yeah. quite feel valued in his job with Suzuki, given that yeah. they jettisoned him for rins. Exactly. You know, he's consistently very good and consistently never gets a mention because... It's, it's like the point where, I think it was Dre that touched on it towards the end of last season. Um, you know, you just, you, you look down the, the tower on your left-hand side of your screen when you're watching BT Sport, when you're watching it on a Sunday, and you, you go, you've got your top sort of, you've got your top guys, then you've got a few other riders, you've got, you know, you might, you might every now and again have a Scott Redding up there. Um, and then you'll see the Alicia Spargaro's name being banded about. And because it's consistently there and there about every race weekend. No one gives him a mention. No one gives him the recognition he deserves. No one sort of really... He kind of goes so unnoticed. Yeah, he's always the kind of guy you look like, that, oh, there she's doing well. <laughs> yeah, but but that's it. Like You don't you don't look into anything else. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a good... I think it's going to be good for a pretty... I think these two are actually going to work well yeah, I together. I think he's the right rider for that team. Um, a team yeah. that's, that's not quite there yet, but is getting there making progress he's the right kind of rider um, to bring as, it on yeah to bring it on as suzuki showed i mean as yeah. well as maverick did he wouldn't be able to do what he did without alage doing what he oh, did no. for the team because alage was often the guy that would be doing the testing and he would almost be the test mule for that team running the experimental parts while maverick got on with the job of riding it fast kind of what he's yeah. doing with yamaha at the minute um yeah so um so so Aleish is has an important role to play in that team whilst his teammate learns the ropes um yeah Aleish can get on with developing that bike and making it uh, even faster. Um, He's also certainly... got to have his little arm around uh, yes. um, Sam, though. You know, he can't just kind of oh, yeah. leave the him mentor, to Fender. Yeah. Um, well, talking about a rider that's needed to sort of develop a team and help bring the bike on, that brings us to Alicia's brother, Paul, and Bradley Smith, KTM. Uh, the, the, new, the new manufacturer to MotoGP. Um, and for, as far as I can tell, first of all, MotoGP, so much better for having this team involved in the Premier class, having a sixth manufacturer, mm -hmm. and how Gorgeous does that livery look as well. The Bull KTM livery uh, in MotoGP. Um, it looks absolutely brilliant. Or certainly, I think it does anyway. Um, Paul Espargaro and Bradley Smith then. the two They brought a job lot of satellite riders across from Tech 3. Um, the two leading satellite riders across the last three years. Um, mm -hmm. Although Cal was officially the top satellite last year, but he had a lot of factory parts while he did it. Um, so that's why we're bigging up Paul. Um, and what can we realistically expect? for KTM this season. I mean, they've been at the back of the field in practice today in Qatar. They were sort of towards the back at Sepang and Phillip Island. Um, do we have to keep our expectations for this team in check for the first year? Christ, yes. It's no easy task coming into the MotoGP, uh, the, the Premier Class. And, Let alone the most you know, competitive Premier Class ever. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a walk in the park any season, this season is probably going to be the hot. They've probably chosen the worst time to come back. Like, 
they, they, they probably they should have came into the the premier class when Suzuki came in. Yeah, there's because no, there's no weak manufacturer, is there? There's, no, there's literally nowhere in in any of the teams that we've just discussed where you can say, you know what, KTM have got a, a decent chance of running them close. I think it's it's so hard to get everything set up perfect for the first race of the season that you're not going to be playing catch up for the re- for the whole rest of the season. It's going to be a very very difficult challenge, and and that's going to put a lot of pressure not only on the team to to make sure they've got all the, their whole setup sorted, but on the riders to actually be able to feed back to the team of what they really need, um, and, and that's going to put a lot of pressure on on, on Paul and Bradley. Um, I'm not convinced of how much progress they can make. I think it's great that they're on track, but this season we can't expect too much at the end of the day. You know, they've got to learn the ropes as a team. And I think the great thing is at least these pair know how to ride together. They know what each other's like because they've been together so long with Tech 3. Um, Very closely matched. They are. And they know each other's riding styles well. They they will be able to bounce off each other, which will probably gel everyone else in the in the factory together a lot quicker. If that makes sense, that it's not you know it's two riders that have been together for a fair few years now. It's not you know two riders that are just getting sort of to know each other. But and it, and it appears uh, as well. To be fair, looking at the the comments from particularly from Bradley, who obviously I've been following his comments quite a lot over the winter. It's two, riders, it's two riders. I don't know. Who'd have thunk, who'd have thunk it? Um, but there's two riders here there who very much know what they're getting themselves in for at KTM. Um, oh, yeah. Two, they two know riders who have spent their careers as satellite riders um, at Tech 3 Yamaha and are desperate to have this factory opportunity um, to be considered a factory rider in a factory team. Um, and they've already both spoken of how much they've noticed the inc- sheer increase in manpower in being in a factory team rather than when they were at Tech 3 and they'd have like one engineer's. Uh, guy or one electronics guy in the pit while you know t- Monster, uh, Movistar Yamaha on the other side of the garage the factory team would have three per rider um, yeah. now they're in a factory team and they have that manpower so and KTM if you look at their history in, in any kind of motorcycle racing they win at it you know, they're, they're, oh yeah you know, they don't take part in something unless they think they're going to win at it so uh, KTM will certainly stick with this and and Paul and Bradley, like I say they both seem to be pretty sort of chilled about the whole deal they know that they're going to be you know scraping into the points if they're lucky um in this first part of the year and in their first season but i think they both know that you know this is a long-term project with ktm and that ktm are committed to it and it seems as if both riders have bought into this i hope so and i, and I hope that you know they, they work side by side both riders and, and factory for, for a long long time you know the, it's not going to be a quick turnaround it's going to be the fact that there's a long-term goal in mind and this is how we're going to work to get there rather than cut the corners to try and make you know the quick success and that you know ktm know exactly what they're doing and as you said the two riders know exactly what they've got themselves into so hopefully it should be a partnership of, of dreams um it just needs to be you know everyone needs to keep a level head yeah you know not get not get too down when you see yourselves 21st and 23rd as, yeah. as they did today uh, in free practice, which was where they were. Paul Spargo, 21st, uh, 3.3 seconds off the pace, which sounds a lot. Um, although you have to factor in the fact that Maverick Vinales, who was quickest, he was 1.2 seconds quicker than the man in fourth today, uh, was Maverick. So he was kind of a freakish case. Um, at the Qatar test, they were two seconds off uh, the outright fastest time, which was again set by Vinales. Um, so I think that's the kind of sort of base 
baseline figure for KTM. If they were if they're around two seconds off, um, they're doing all right, I'd say, um, mm-hmm. for their first Grand Prix. So um, we'll keep an eye on how they get on. Um, that's our six factory teams. Uh, we'll come on to the satellite teams um, next because we're going to talk about the rookies. Two of those rookies are in a satellite team. Um, Jean Zarco and Jonas Folger um, at Monster Hammer Yamaha Tech 3. Um, we've also got Alex Rins, who we've mentioned at Suzuki. Uh, but let's start with the other rookie backs. Um, <coughs> premier racing team, Grassini, the number 22. Your boy's become a man. Sam Lowe's is a motor <laughs> rider. Uh, it's like he's graduated and uh, he's... And he's crashed I'm already. So... Did you really have to bring that up? <laughs> I mean... A... He was the first man in MotoGP oh. this year to have a crash, uh, was Sam. Well, um, but, but... someone had to be the first, so why not him? That's all I'm going to say, you know. Why not? Why not? Might as well. So it was going to be someone, so at least let Sam take the fall. But on a serious point, <sighs> now, how how excited are you to see him on the MotoGP grid? I literally think I'm going to wet myself on Sunday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm so, so excited. Like, to be fair, right? To be fair, you've already had a taste of this because you saw Alex on the grid at Silverstone last year. Oh, yeah, and you saw how much of a state I was in. Like, I was was a wreck. I was absolutely speechless. And I'm never... I don't know if if you're new to Bike Live, you've probably figured out by now that I don't get speechless. But, holy Lord, seeing them pair... Seeing Alex last season and actually getting to go for his first ever MotoGP race um, and, and being there was a, an incredible honour. And then second of all, getting Sam in there full time this season. I literally can't wait. He is half of my dream team, so I'm not going to knock him. He can fall off if he wants to fall off and be the first rider to fall off as long as he did it in style. And I know it was into the gravel trap. Oh, so all probably... right, then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm not being funny, Lewis, right? I could stick him on a pedal bike and I'd still tip him for the fast, fastest lap because I just love him so much that, it, it, you know, I just can't say a bad word against him. And it's going to be an absolutely massive season for Sam this season. Mm. And there's going to be, I hope you're ready for the roller coaster that he's going to live because I live it with him. And if I live it, that means you are going to live it. Yeah, she's not. She's, not, I... she's not joking, listeners. <laughs> uh, anyone who's anyone who's new to bike life, I mean, he. he... One thing we have to say about him, we've already mentioned Alicia Spargo, that is a tough teammate um, mm. to try and beat what Sam's up against um, mm. at Aprilia. It's character um, building. Character That's what build, it is. Yeah. Um, and he's he's been chipping away at it in pre-season testing. He's spent a lot of his pre-season testing on the 2016 Aprilia. Um, finally got the 17 bike at the Qatar test. And you know he's learning at it. And I think he's... Again, he's in a he's in a good team, isn't he? If you look at yeah. I mean, Scott Redding, who's debuted in in MotoGP with that Grassini T, you want a CRT bike, um, and you know, Fausto Grassini runs a good team there, and they they're going to put their arm around him, aren't they? And they're going to they're going to yeah. bring Sam on. They're not going to you know get the cane out if he starts crashing it every week. I was going to say that's the thing. He's in a comfortable team. He's in a team that he he will get looked after in, and that's what he needs um, because. Even though he's excited and chomping at the bit, I'm sure deep down there's there's that element of nerves, and rightly so. And you couldn't, I couldn't personally, for myself and for him, ask for a better team for him to be in in his first season because you know, as you just said, 
they're not going to start screaming and shouting the odds and saying this, that and the other about him if he's not putting in the performances, if he's not getting the results and if he's not packing the points in. I'm not expecting him to this season. Well, this is the thing. As what, long what, as he what, finishes what realistic, the races... What is a realistic expectation for Sam this season? Points? Um... Yeah, he's got to get put. He's got to get some points. He's got to show progression over, over the course of the season. Yeah, I'm not expecting him to go out on Sunday and stick it sixth crossing the checkered flag. If if he sticks it 14th crossing the checkered flag, I'll be happy because he's still got. You, you know, that's fine by me. Hmm. All I want in the opening few races because we can look into how he's done a testing, how happy he feels on the bike until I'm blue in the face. Yeah. It's so different when he's sat on that bike for the first time under the lights in Qatar, ready for them for, for the lights to go out and, and get racing for 2017. And that's going to be the difference. As long as he finishes and he's safe. not chucking up. Huh? Just hope he gets home safe. You yeah. sound like a real proud mum. I am. Talking about As, Sam. Um, and one other thing, which has absolutely no relation, has, has absolutely no relation to how quick the bike goes. I didn't mention it when we talked about Prilly earlier on. What do you think of that new livery? I think it looks really good. I think it looks proper smart. I'm, I'm yeah. a fan. Then again, I'd be a fan of anything. You could, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, yeah. You could be in that pink horse India, and you'd, you'd love it, wouldn't you? Um, Probably. But, uh, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, I know. I, 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 I joke. I know Dre loves that livery. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's Sam Lowe's. He'll be racing for the Aprilia Grassini team alongside Alicia Spargaro. Um, Alex Rince, who we mentioned, is um, alongside Iannone at Suzuki. And uh, I've got to say, Bex, he was one of the disappointments of Moto2 last season. A guy who looked for half the season like he was going to win the championship and then completely shat the bed in the second half of the season, <laughs> um, did Alex Rins. Ended up finishing yeah. third in the championship behind Thomas Lutti. But again, yeah. kind of like Alicia Spargaro, he's another rider who seems to do better when the pressure's off. Um, he kind of like like he comes along, he comes under the radar, and then just when you're looking at him as if he's a serious championship contender, he then suddenly um, begins to fall apart. Um, yeah. But I think we're all agreed on how talented we think this guy is, and now's the chance for him to try and show it. Oh God, he's an incredible talent, an absolutely incredible it's talent, that this and even guy hasn't won a world championship yet. That's that. Jesus, you have to jump the gun, didn't you? I mean, I, I that was literally going to be the point that I was about to make. You know, for me. Even though I was literally the point, the words that was about to come out of me <laughs> before you started was, even though he's not got the championship under his belt, I think it's the right time for him to move up. Yes. I think it would have been a waste of a season for him if he stayed at Moto2 again this season. And as me, Andre and yourself discussed at length when it was, does Sam move up? Does he not move up? Is the lack of championship in the emoji in the, you know, on the world stage in this sense, gonna affect him. Um, and I said, mm, I'm not completely sold whether it's the right move for him. I think for Alex Rins, it was the right move. He needed to move up and challenge himself on on this stage. And I think, even though he prefers it, you know, even though it, he, I don't want to call it nerves because that yeah, is that that sounds ridiculous. Buckle he buckles, yeah, that that good use of terminology. Well done, this. Um, I think that he's he will grow out of that. Now he's on the now he's in the premier class stage, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, but as I, said, I think it was the right time for him to move up. He's an exciting rider. He's an 
absolutely joy. He's an absolute joy to watch. He's phenomenally quick, and he's he's a super super talent. Looks as if he's been he's been a match for you know in testing. Oh yeah. He, I mean, he, he had an absolute nightmare in Valencia when he first stepped on that Suzuki when he, he crashed it uh, on the second day of the Valencia test. But since the turn of the year and when we've seen him at Sepang and at Phillip Island and indeed in Qatar, he's looked on the pace. He's looked as quick as you know, Um So, um, yeah, I think Rins is going to get on just fine in MotoGP. Um, yeah. The other two, though, um, Jonas Folger and Joan Zarco, who, of course, is the reigning double Moto2 champion. Um, as I mentioned to Dre on the first bike live we did, I think we've all been guilty of completely underestimating these two um, at Tech 3 um, because whatever expectations we had of them, they seem to have exceeded them already. Yeah, they have started off. They have done really well in testing so far. Olga was fourth um, today. I'll be honest, I underestimated them because when when I was sort of making my sort of notes that I always, that I always make at the start of the season just so I can... I kind of like to make a bit of predictions about everyone, yeah, um, and I write them down. And then when we come to the end of the oh, season, we'll I look back at what I said. On, no, um, I kind of look back on what I said at the start of the season, sort of just going off the cuff. And um, I actually then wrote my notes of what I'd looked at a few weeks ago, um, and, and wrote them in today's notes just to see what you said. My notes, word for word, were. This is a massive gamble for Tech 3 in the nicest possible way. I hope they've got a good set of mechanics that can turn a destroyed bike around in, time, in no time. <laughs> oh, is this those more, yeah, yeah. This was, those were my words. And I honestly believe that I'm going to be eating them pretty quick. Yeah, um, I mean, today, they, practice, they've been Folger incredible. They've fourth, really took me back. Did you ever think you'd see those two as high as that? Not a hope in hell's chance. No, not a, not a hope in house chance, and, and that's no disrespect to either no, of them. Paul and Bradley weren't that but, high for most of last year. Do you know what I reckon we're going to have for the whole of this season? Do you remember how annoying Keith Ewan got when he kept having to remind us that Ma- uh, Maverick Vinales was a bloody rookie? Yes. And he kept, you know, do you know how annoying and how wearing and tiring that got eventually? And we were all just sitting home thinking, going, Crow's sake, we know we should up. I reckon he's going to be like that with these pair this season, based on what we've seen so far testing and you know sort of free uh, practice today could be completely different to how they're going to be when they're in the race environment they might sort of have a flap um and sort of have a little bit of a wobbly but i, I honestly think that they've been a credit to, to tech free and a credit to themselves um with the performance they've put in already if that makes any sense mm, yeah, so I mean, I keep you in you can you can start getting oh my gosh we've got to remember <laughs> that these pair are just rocking their first season, the Premier Classic. Did you like my impression there? I thought yeah, it was pretty spot on. Right, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I, I have to say, I, I, I totally agree with you in terms of, you know, I, I ate my words about Folger and Sarko a long time ago. I mean, I, I ate and digested them ages ago. Um, they they have been phenomenal. They've been, as, for me, as big a story as Maverick in pre-season testing in that, mm-hmm. in that Paul and Bradley were always sort of fringes of the top 10. If, if, he, if that, Bradley was often outside the top 10 last season when he wasn't injuring himself. Um, and granted they're on the Yamaha that was arguably, probably not arguably, it probably was the best bike in MotoGP last season when Valentino and Jorge were making mistakes on it. Um, so we know that they've got a good bike, but my goodness me, they, they, they've started phenomenally well, both Folga and Zarco. Folga appears to be the outright faster of the two. Um, mm-hmm. Zarco is probably going to guy that makes the, less, makes the fewer mistakes. 
um, yeah. in his season. And we, we all know how much of a class act Zarko is. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Two-time Moto2 champion. And yeah, he will... I, it's interesting that you kind of feel that Polka's probably going to have the more standout results, but Zarko will probably end the year with more points. Is that probably fair? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I say, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, you know, Fog will be the one that bursts on the scene every sort of four to five races. But Zarko will be the one that's consistently picking up the minor points in every single one of those races. And, you know, the famous case of the tortoise in the hair. Yeah, I don't think... I'm getting so many analogies in tonight. I'm loving it. Yeah, she's doing really well. business, folks. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think one thing. I don't think we're going to see this season, sadly, is the uh, the famous Jean Zarco backflip. If we see that, I think he's, um, he's even he's doing better than we imagine. Mate, um, if we see that, I'm I literally I'm going to eat my hat. If we see that, um, yeah, and um, yeah, and believe me, I can't do backflips. Um, but um, that's take three. Continuing with the satellite teams, we'll rattle through a few of these. Um, starting with yeah. LCR Honda. Um, which is a kind of satellite team. Crutchlow is benefiting from a lot of factory parts these days. Uh, given, mm. Rightly so, given that he won two Grand Prix for them, uh, for LCR last season. Um, can Crutchlow win again this year? Mm, highly doubt it. Mm, you're not convinced? I mean, he's, no. I, mean, I, I think he, if we, if we get a wet race somewhere, I think Cal definitely can win. Um, but it, it, it's, it's interesting. I think a lot of his sort of fate it hangs on similar to Danny and Mark it hinges on whether Honda can figure this bike out because Cal appears to be benefiting from a lot of the same equipment that Mark and Danny are on and you know if that Honda continues to be a bit of a handful then we might see Cal crash a little bit again because mm. he crashed more often than any MotoGP rider last season and he's already had one bike blow up on him today in free practice in fairness, I think I know one MotoGP rider that might crash more than him this season so I think he'll be fine on that score yeah, he, granted he's ahead of him already um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's Cal. Um, he's. I was on a bit Bradley Smith, but I'm joking. No, of course you were. Um, completing, completing the four Brits on the grid, because of course Eugene Laverty's no longer with us. He's in World Superbikes with Aprilia. Um, boo, indeed. Uh, completing the lineup uh, is Scott Redding, who's at Premier Ducati, paying the price for his poor second half to last season because he's on a 2016 Ducati. Uh, Petrucci, his teammate, is on a 2017 Ducati. Um, now, mm-hmm. now, Scott Redding has certainly not had a good winter, Vex. He's, he's struggled throughout the winter. But um, I hate, hesitate to use the phrase make or break season. But this kind of is for Scott, isn't it? I think so, yeah. And that really upsets me because not only he's a it's great guy, but I think job. he's a fantastic rider. And, and, you know, I just think that he's been unlucky. Um, I, I, used the, I, I actually thought the same with Brad as well. Um, at one point that in a few years' time, we could be talking about the man, the myth and the lost to MotoGP, uh, if I'm completely honest. Two good riders, Scott both Redding, Bradley and... Superbike champion. Hey, don't knock <laughs> those bikes. No, 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 I think it's been brilliant this year. Um, you know, both, you know, both Brits, both Bradley and Scott, uh, uh, you know, can be fantastic riders on their day. They've just been swamped, unfortunately, because of their age. Um, by talent from uh, that's been considerably greater from mainland Europe, and they've been swallowed up, and they've found themselves sort of like what Scott is now, you know, on a 2016 Ducati because he didn't pick up the results last year. And I thought that it was, I suppose, a fair way for Ducati to decide on who was getting what bike. Um, I just, just wasn't quite the outcome that I wanted. But for for, for Scott Redding, he really has got to pull out all the stops for me. Um, 
I can't keep making these excuses for him. I mean, I still rip Dre hmm. about that podium. That still to this day. Still makes me incredibly proud that I predicted that Scott Redding would get a podium. And um, Andre Harrison may as well have yeah. just laughed in my let's, face. Let's forget the freak circumstances which it came about. Don't care. Podium is podium. <laughs> Mate, if Hall stay up by one goal and it was literally a tapping that landed an inch over the line, a goal is a goal, right? Yeah, you and I both know that's not going to happen. Well, no, but it was just <laughs> another, it was it was another analogy. Just saying, just saying. So yeah, for me, Scott has got to pull out all the stops because he's he really hanging on dangerous territory of being the one that gets forgotten. Mm, yeah, and that'll year, be a sad day for MotoGP. For Scott Redding, he, he's got to mm-hmm. beat Petrucci, hasn't he? Um, yeah, keep himself. Crushed it. Uh, he's got to right the wrongs from last season. He's got to right the wrongs from last season. He's got to beat him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, continuing with the other satellite Ducati teams because there are a few of them. Um, there is a few. The Aspar Common, team. They? The Aspar team have signed Alvaro Batista. Of course, lost his spot at uh, Aprilia. Of course, Aprilia have got two new riders this season because Bradle's gone to World Supers. Uh, Bautista's gone to Aspar, and he has a 2016 Ducati 2, so he might be one to uh, spring the odd surprise, as Barbara did last year. Uh, his teammate, Carol Abraham, who's reward for getting beaten by Josh Brooks in World Superbikes, is an Aspar Ducati MotoGP spot. Um, it, That's a delicate subject. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. we'll come on to Josh Brooks next week, because we're previewing BSB next week. Um, but um, yeah, Abraham uh, and his checkbook have uh, found a new home at Aspar, uh, so congratulations to him. Um, Avincia, uh, they're also uh, back on the grid with a 2016 and a 2015 Ducati, and they have named an unchanged rider lineup for this season with Hector Barbara, one of the stars of last season, I think we all agreed, uh, here on Bike Live, uh, and Loris Baz. Um, Barbara has the 16 bike, Baz the 15. Um, and Loris Baz was sixth today, incredibly, uh, in Qatar. Um, so it clearly is not a slow bike. Um, one other team that we haven't mentioned, Mastrilaglicia Mark VDS, uh, with Tito Rabat and Jack Miller who I think were probably asking a lot, Bex, to suggest that he might match his winning exploits of life. <laughs> oh, man. As good as that was. Oh, that was literally probably my favourite memory other than watching Marquez actually win the title was seeing Jack Miller win a Grand Prix race. Literally, like, how bad did I rip him for going yeah. straight up to MotoGP from Moto3? Oh, my God. I literally tore him a new one and then he goes oh, oh he's just after a few seasons goes and wins a bloody oh just he's incredible but I think it's I think it's more the personality that I like with Jack Miller he's just got that easy come as you go yeah. no problem not a care in the world the proper Aussie lifestyle say, attitude stereotyping he is your sort of typical Aussie he is he? he's the stereotypical Aussie I just absolutely I adore him I absolutely adore him, and I really think he brightens up the MotoGP paddock with his character and his personality, and that you know the smile. He's just got everything going for him, and he's he's an absolute joy to have. And do you know what? I don't care if you don't win a race. I don't care if you don't get on the podium. As long as he keeps doing what he's doing and making everyone else happy by just being the general joker that Jack, that that is Jack Miller, um, then I'm a happy lady. Yeah. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing how he gets on. And um, that's your MotoGP grid. Just to emphasize how there is no weak link in this grid. Or maybe Caleb Brown. Um, but there is no real weak link in this MotoGP grid um, for 2017. Sorry, Carol. Uh, sorry, You Carol. don't mean it. Um, yeah, there goes our check listenership. Uh, but no, he, um, he, um, 
without getting into predictions, because we'll do it at the end of the show, I mean, how <laughs> how much are we looking forward to, to this season? I mean, we, we're, we're talking this up, but I mean, last season was good enough. It had the nine different winners. It had so much unpredictability. But this season, there are so many stories, aren't there? There are so many reasons why this season can be every bit as good as last year. Literally, I, I'm so excited. And I, I, I literally have no words. I cannot put into words how good I predict this season to be. And I think it's going to cause a lot of talking points and a lot of arguments between us three on, on whatever night we, we do the show. Um, because I think that we've got so many different riders that we've all got different expectations for um, that are all going to come together. And it's just going to be one massive event for roller coaster that I, I'm, I just can't wait for and hopefully I'll come out on top because I did the one time we did predictions which full season And the intermediate class, which for the last few years has been the class that I've cared the least about, I'll be honest with you. Um, but this season, it's probably speak for me. yourself. Yeah, well, yeah, well, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, given there were 22 reasons why you cared about Moto 2. Um, but um, so Beck is probably going to be in my camp for the last few years this year. She probably won't really too yeah. care about this too much. Uh, but, hey, now. But, but for me, this is the class that I think is arguably the most difficult to predict. Um, because we've said, haven't we, for years, Bex, that. Moto 2 needs a clear out of talent. It needs a bit yeah. of a refresh. Uh, I think it's fair to say it's got it for this year. Yeah, Moto 2, Moto 2 was kind of, I don't want to say Deadwood, where it's everyone the same guys, that. Isn't it? Yeah, it, I don't, Deadwood's the wrong word, but it's kind of like. If, I get what you mean, yeah. If, if, if you die, if, if you die, do too well in Moto GP, then you could go back to Moto 2. If you, if you were quite good enough, then you had a permanent seat. There was just. There was never any change. There was never any drastic change. It just kind of felt that everyone just kind of clung there, like the little safe ground. Um, so for me, with all the guys that have moved up into the MotoGP paddock, um, that's opened a lot of doors in Moto2 now. And it literally has had the revamp that it needed because it was getting a bit boring. It was getting a bit tiresome, seeing the same names year after year after year and not seeing... This is also going to sound harsh... Not seeing much improvement either. It was kind of like it was stuck in its own little universe where it was quite happily going around, mind its own business. It wasn't the showcase. It wasn't even the second best race on the grid um, during that race weekend the majority of the time. It was just kind of there for the sake of being there. So hopefully this season, you know, we've got the challenges that we all wanted and need, and, and actually Moto Two needed to to be enjoyable again. If you, as long as you know someone that isn't just a Sam Lowe's fan and just watched it make for that Moto reason, Moto Two great again. Uh, yes, yeah. hashtag hashtag Moto Two great again. Uh, yeah, it's it's for me for many years Moto Two was the toilet break race. Um, yeah. between, between Moto 3 and Moto GP. It's the one um, that I don't mind napping in. Yeah, if exactly. I was if I'd been on a close at I, work I often or did. the night before. I didn't mind falling asleep in that one. Mm. But this season, as you rightly say, it should be different because, as you alluded to, the fact that Jean Zarco, Jonas Volger, Alex Rins, 
Sam Lowe's have all moved out of that class. It makes the championship fight this year absolutely wide open. <laughs> yeah, because it actually means that now someone that was comfortably finishing fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth has actually got to step up to the place and get yeah. their arse into gear. Because there's no there's, there's no names there that you can actually go, do you know what? He's definitely going to win the championship this year. Or these two are actually going to fight it out. It's, it's an open door. It's, it's an open book and a fresh page for everyone in that championship now. There's no excuse. It is. It's so difficult to predict. And um, I'm going to get the betting odds back up. Um, I don't know oh, if good you, choice. I don't know if you've seen it. Do you have a guess? I don't know if you've seen these. Have a guess who the actual bookie's favourite is for Moto2 for this season, for the championship. For the, for the out-and-out championship, probably hmm. Tom Luthie. Yeah, I believe it is. I believe last time I looked, it was it was Luti just um, who was who was the championship favourite. Just going on to William Hill again. Um, Sky bet's really not that good yeah, for MotoGP, yeah, is yeah. it? Well, William Hill have got rid of the Moto2 odds now since it started. But yeah, last time I looked, it Crunky. was it was Thomas Luti who was last year's championship runner-up. Um, although he wasn't a clear favourite, it has to be said, um, was Luti. Um, would he be your favourite championship runner-up last season to to Zarko? <laughs> Um, but always the nearly man. Yeah, he he's like he is like the human version of Ducati. Yeah, it's like there's he's always the, someone the, who turns up who's just a little bit better. Than that him. spoils the party every time. However, I will recall the odd occasion where Tom Luty turned up and spoiled my Sam Lowe's party last yes. season. So, um, yes, it's only fair that someone, whoever it is, got his own back for Sam for me. It was just, it was great. Yeah, who won that um, Salzburg race again? That was more Zarko's fault than Luti. I'm not going there. Literally, <laughs> Silverstone. Mo, I've never gone from being so deflated to so elated watching the Moto 2 race and having Sam swiped <laughs> yes. off his bike and literally crying into my armchair to, to watch Alex Lowe's ride, ride round and finish and get points. It was, it was gosh, my heart. It nearly stopped through, through sheer despair. And nearly went off the chart in sheer elation. Like it, it was amazing. But <laughs> yeah, so we need to stop talking about Silverstone because you're going to get me excited again. I don't know if I can yeah, go this well, year. Well, 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 talking about Tom Luty. Uh, and, no. yeah, I, 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 yeah, he's my favourite. I've got to say for the Moto Two Championship, he's the guy I would lay my hat on at the moment. Um, cautiously, I think I've changed my mind. I think. Times, um, I think it's because it. because, like we say, it's so open that. You could literally lay your hat on anyone there and you probably won't be too far off the mark because you just have no idea how it's going to go. No. The only reason I'd probably back uh, Luffy is the fact that actually he is the one that's got the most experience. Yeah. He's the one um, but that doesn't always... Get from yeah. You know you're going to turn... You know Exactly. He turns up on a race weekend. You know, you know what you're going to get. There's no surprises. There's no hidden agendas or anything. There's just... he that He's there... He does. He does his business. He gets a, a podium, maybe, and he goes home. Hmm. What about Thank the, you very uh, much, sir. What about Mark VDS? Because they're the team that have since Moto Two started. They're probably the, the team that have done the best in it. They, of course, won it um, a couple of years ago with Tito Rabat. They nearly won it with Scott Redding the year prior to that um, yeah. in, in Moto Two, um, and they've kept the same rider lineup: Franco Morbidelli and Alex Marquez, um, two riders who, amazing as it sounds, are both yet to win their first Moto Two race. Um, I think mm. they're surely both going to change that this season. Surely both oh, got a shot at the title. I'd like to think so. I really would like to think so. Um, I'm, I'm impressed with how Alex Marquez has came on. He's quickest in testing. Um, he really, really improved 
for me last season um, really sort of changed the way I thought his Moto2 career was going to... I thought he was going to end up being one of those lost souls in Moto2, mm. the way it started to look, the, the constant crashes, um, but actually started putting in some performances and running in the top part of the field towards the end of last season. So hopefully that can continue. It, it, you're right, the only thing that Alex Marquez is missing at the moment is that all-in-all all elusive race win in the, in, in the second tier. Mm. Um which I, I think for both riders, you're right, Lewis, is actually is going to change this season. I, I'd be shocked and disappointed if it didn't, because I wouldn't be able to pinpoint what the reason is for that not to happen, mm. unless there's someone that literally just bursts on the scene and just runs away with it, which I can't see happening. No, not at all. And Morbidelli is one of those guys, I think he could be one of those guys similar to the likes of Binder and Zarko, who took ages to get the first one, and then once they got one, they, they won a whole bunch of them. Morbidelli's um, mm. been so close for a, a couple of years now to winning a Grand Prix in Moto2 I still remember this race last year in Qatar where he very nearly won and then got penalty at the end which sent him all the way back to 7th and yeah I think we all know I think we're all fans of Morbidelli aren't we and his talent yeah. we all think he's good whereas yeah. Marquez I think we were all kind of surprised that he got another year at Mark VDS uh, given mm. how his first first year first two years has gone with that team um, so um, yeah, I think benefit of the doubt, I guess. Yeah, benefit of the doubt. And I think I think they're almost they've already almost going to be, been proven right, given how well he's gone in testing. It looks as if the Marquez that won the Moto Three title is kind of returning a little bit um, yeah. into Moto Two um, this season. A couple of other guys who I think we have to keep an eye on. Takagi Nakagami, I think it has to be one of them. He was another guy who was always mm-hmm. in the mix last season with the likes of Zarco, Lowe's, and Rins. Um, and now with those three out of the way, I think Nakagami's got to be one who has an eye on a championship as well. Um, but the other stories heading into this Moto2 season, not just new riders, but new constructors. Um, because Suter are back with two teams. Uh, we'll talk about one of them, and that's the Kiefer team. Um, because they have Danny Kent on board. And first of all, congratulations to the Kiefer team for the worst livery in any class uh, this season. <laughs> it is pure shite. I'm afraid. Um, it's, it's sort of, Christ, Lewis, meant to be worse. It's, it's the sort of. It's, have you seen it? It's like the yin and the yang. It's like half black, half white. Um, yeah, you no, know, it, it, it ain't the prettiest. It awful. isn't the most eye-catching. It's not. You know, it's it's not one that's gonna. No. No. I just probably not. wouldn't turn around on radio and call it shite. Uh, I called it that on Twitter earlier as well. Uh, I, I feel I'd, very strongly about this one. It is awful. Um, it's because this team, unfortunately, has lost its loyal part sponsorship, which is why it looks so bad. Um, yeah. Because so Leop- no fault or effort's been put into it. It's just gone out. Yeah, uh, like Leopard are still sponsoring the Moto3 team, but they're not sponsoring the Moto2 team anymore. Um, so, um, so that's why the, the uh, Kiefer Suter looks like it is. Um, but um, Danny Kent, he's he's another guy, isn't he? Kind of he's in the, in the Scott Redding boat. of Last year went so badly for him. Danny Kent needs oh. a good year badly. And he's got a tough teammate with Dominic Egerter too. Last year was horrendous, absolutely horrendous, and it's it's one of the it really pisses me off because you just kind of think, well, where where is he going to turn if it goes bad again for him? Because if he goes bad again for him, I don't think he'll get another ride in Moto Two. Can't go back to Moto Three because he'll just absolutely blitz the place. So yeah, you know, already. Yeah, exactly. He, he kind of he stepped up. He had the God awful year, went back to Moto2, blitzed the championship second time round, came back up, had a horrendous year. It's just been, it's just like a, a yo-yo, up and down, up and down. There's no, 
I don't want to. I don't want to say that he's too good for Moto three, but he's not good enough for Moto two because mm. I don't think That's he's had a fair crack at it. But he's got to start packing it in now and start getting his head down, start knuckling down to the point where, you know, people start taking him seriously in Moto two because otherwise. He's, he's going to have to seriously look at making the move over to Worlds, I think, if it doesn't happen this mm-hmm. year. I think he's going to have to make that as a very serious, or think of that as a very serious solution, because we we can't keep going the way we're going, if mm-hmm. I'm completely honest. And I think he probably knows that deep down in personally himself anyway. Um, he's a great rider. He's a, so exciting to watch. I mean, it's just... It's frustrating to sit back and watch and go, I know what you can do on a bike. It's just not working. And it's not through want of not trying for him. You can clearly tell that he's trying and he's getting frustrated himself that the results aren't coming in for Danny. But Mm. it's where you start, you know, what makes, what separates the exceptional riders from the good riders is the ones that can turn that around without having the bike underneath them to, to really, I suppose, help them do that. And, yeah, it'll be a big season for Danny this year. And I hope he manages it. Yeah, I do. And he, he looked he looked fairly good today when his, when his bike was working, which it didn't for most of free practice one. Yeah. Um, but when it did work, he was quick on it. And I think it's it's good for Moto2 to have Suter back with actual, an actual serious effort where they're, they're putting some resources into this with two teams, Keeper being one of them for Akata and Danny Kent. And they're also supporting the Dynavolt team, which runs Cortese and Schrotter, the two Germans um, in the field. Um, but it's not just Suter making a serious effort because we also Bex have KTM entering Moto2 with their own chassis for this season. Um, again, shout out to the beautiful livery uh, on that Red Bull KTM IO bike. Um, and the early signs are that together with Miguel Oliveira, it is phenomenally quick as well. Indeed so, indeed so, indeed so. I, um, I'm not going to be as reserved with... This is I am as what uh, with with how KTM I'm going to be in, in, in MotoGP. Does that make sense? I'm going to put yeah. my neck out there and say that it actually I am expecting big things from from the team of Miguel. Um, and and it, to be fair, at the moment it looks to be that get a few races under your belt, then we, we can be sort of seeing what I expect to see. So, and I agree with you that livery is sexy as hell. It is, and uh, and Oliveira has been quick right throughout testing as well. Um, I mean, he, yeah, it's not just been sort of like yeah, it's not been the old, this the old fast lap. He's been fast everywhere uh, on yeah. that KTM bike. It's kind of ironic though, given though. Did you see those quotes that we all saw during the winter from KTM when they launched about how Honda were their most hated rival uh, in nah. motorcycle racing? It's, we've got a KTM and Moto Two powered by a Honda engine, which I find hilarious um, this season. Mm. Um, so they might have to thank Honda if they go and win the Moto Two title this year. Um, but uh, but it was, it's just banter. That's all it was. Yeah, um, yeah. I had the rich keys defense. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, they look very very good. It has to be said to KTM in more ways than one, uh, both visually and in terms of the stopwatch as well. Um, as I mentioned, this class does have the big refresh that we've been desperate for in terms of rookies. Almost a third of the grid this year in Moto Two is made up by rookies. Mad. We have nine of them in the field. Andrea Locatelli, who's in Ital Trans. Jorge Navarro, who takes Sam Lowe's seat at Grassini. Uh, Ike Lacuona, who's one of the three riders at the Interventing team, although he won't be in Qatar because he's injured himself in testing. He broke his arm. Julian Simon, who's yes, come out of retirement well to replace him. Yeah, get well soon, Ike. Uh, we hope to see him back for the European rounds. Fabio Quattararo, who we'll talk about in a second, he's replacing um, Alex Rins at the Pons team. Uh, Brad Binder, of course, the modern yeah, champion. He's at KTM IO, so he stays team. 
that switches classes. He's Oliveira's teammate. Uh, Francesco Bagnaia and Stefano Manzi, who move up with Sky VR46 to Moto2. Uh, Axel Bassani, who's another rookie who won't be in Qatar. He injured himself as well. Um, he's the second of the speed-up riders alongside Simone Corsi. We'll see him, hopefully, in Argentina. And Kyrill Idam Powell, <laughs> the wet-weather warrior of Moto3. He also moves up. A lot of exciting names there. Bex, which of the rookies have you got your eye on? Brad Binder. Yeah. Out and out all the time. Got to be. Got to be. Had a fantastic season last season. Um, worthy winner. Definitely, definitely needed to move up um, for me as the out. Well, he's gonna he's gonna be the outgoing there as sort of the the champion of Moto Three. Mm. Um, but you know, in fairness, you know, it's not just him. I I, I like the look of Quartero. He's a, a fantastic. Yeah. He's an exciting rider. Um, last season. Mm, for it's, him, it's funny Quartararo because uh, he, like Powie, and, and we, we looked at that when he moved up and thought, God, that's early for Quartararo to move up. But I listened to him today on, on BT Sport talking about it, and he said that he was just getting way too big for the bike uh, in Moto3 because he won the Junior World Championship at 14. So he's, yes. he's clearly a very quick, very uh, sort of an early developer, if you see what I mean. He's, he's growing very, very quickly. Um, and similar to Lorenzo Baldessari, who moved into Moto3 and was just way too big for the bike. He looked like a mini bike underneath him. Um, yeah. Quattararo is clearly another one of those, where by the time he actually got to the Moto3 Grand Prix class, he was just too big for the bike. So the Moto, moving into Moto2 might be the best thing for him. Hopefully, you know, um, he, he, is, he is an exciting rider, and I know you enjoy watching him, Lewis. Um, we've had many discussions. Yeah. And I, I like um, the team he's in, the Poms team as well. Mm. Safe team. Yeah, they've taken good Paul, team for Paul him. Spargo to World Championships. They've taken Vinales to great things and Rins. So yeah, yeah, I think that's a great, great team. It's for, a for good team around him. And the other rider that I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, and partly based on what I saw in pre-practice earlier tonight, when he was quickest, Francesco Bagnaia on on the SkyVR46 Calex, um, back at the team where he started his career with, um, before they sort of kicked him out for Andrea Mino, but kept him in the sort of the academy, kept him in the VR46 system, and. Bex Bagnaia was a guy who lit up so many Moto3 races on that Mahindra last year. Yeah. Um, and I never thought I'd be seeing that on day one, free practice two, and Bagnaia was quickest of all. No, um, real turn up for the books there. It was, a, in actual fact, you know one of those moments where you, where you kind of busy doing something, you quickly look at your phone, because yes, I am sad enough to have the MotoGP tweet notifications turned on so i don't miss anything like when i am at work i I, I might not watch it but i know what's going on because i can quickly like light up my phone and you know i'd seen that and was like yeah yeah blah blah blah, whatever okay and then you know you do that double take you go hang up a minute what hang up a minute did i just read that correctly or am i has the coffee gone straight into my bloodstream today this is right yeah it, it was one of those instances where i had to take a double take and go holy smoke what are the odds? Um, I didn't look at the odds, but I wish I had done. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, I think, Moto2 finally, maybe, hopefully, um, will be a bit more exciting for everyone. Because, yeah, yeah it, it kind of was the snooze fest. No one really bothered about it. I chatted a lot. I normally tweeted a lot as well in Moto2. Not about the race, unless it was about Sam. Yeah, we uh, kind of just, just paid it lip service on the show last year, and that was about it. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of discussions about Sam. There was a lot of yes. jokes about Sam, and that was about it. Yeah, we can't even do that this year, so it better be No. Good. Yeah. Um, it, it better we literally, be our one talking point in Moto2 has gone, so... 
yeah. something needs to be done. Uh, so come on, guys. Come on, all these rookies. Uh, Pull your fingers out. Yeah, make it exciting. Um, and to be fair, I think it will uh, this year. Yeah. Um, let's run you through the full grid then uh, before we move on. Um, because th- there are a number of sort of the established names that you know all about who are still around, but they may not necessarily be at the same team. Um, so the Intervent team, the old Swiss team, what used to be, now it's two-thirds Swiss and one-third Spanish. Uh, although uh, Ike Lacuone, as we mentioned, won't be in Qatar. Um, his teammates, when he does return, will be Jesco Raffin and Thomas Luti. Um, the Ital Trans team retains Mattia Pacini, and as we mentioned a moment ago, they've added Andrea Locatelli up from the Leopard Moto3 team. Uh, forward racing there and change, they keep Lorenzo Baldassari. Now there's an outside tip for the championship if ever saw one. And Luca Marini, um, half-brother of. Uh, Grassini, they keep, um, well, they keep a Calex, but replace Sam Lowe's with Jorge Navarro. Um, up from the Strogalicia Moto3 team. Uh, the Dynavolt Intact GP team stays German, although they've swapped Folger for Schrotter alongside Sandra Cortese. They've also gone Suter as opposed to Calix. Um, Tasca Racing, they keep a Calix, but they've brought in Xavier Simeon. Uh, Mark Vidiesa unchanged with Morbidelli and Marquez. Speed Up have gone from one rider to two. They've joined uh, Simone Corsi with Axel Bassani. As again, I've mentioned, he's out injured, so won't be... Uh, in Qatar, um, he's been replaced as well. Uh, Itamitsu Honda Team Asia keeps Kakinakagami. They brought in Karol Idampawi as his teammate. Uh, the Stop and Go Team, I have Isaac Vinales and Tetsuta Nagashima up from the European Moto2 Championship. Pons, who've lost their yellow pages livery and brought back the white and blue, which I love. I've got Fabio Quartararo and Edgar Pons. Red Bull KTM IO reunite their Moto3 lineup of Brad Binder and Miguel Oliveira from a couple of years ago. Sky VR46 have an old rookie pairing of Francesco Bagnaia and Stefano Manzi. That's Sky VR46's first ever Moto2 season. RW Racing GP are another team that have moved up for Moto3. They've signed Axel Pons. Uh, Keeper Racing have two suitors for Danny Kent and Dominic Egeter. Uh, Petronas Race Line Malaysia have Hafish Sirin once again. Uh, the AGR team, which had two riders last year, have won this year because they've split their efforts between Moto2 and Moto3. Their Moto2 rider is ex-MotoGP, Yoni Hernandez. And completing the field for Tech3, Remy Gardner and Javi Vieje. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a loaded group, that, I've got to say. And a, a group that it's very difficult to pick a champion from. Um, mm. we'll, do, we'll do that at the end of the show. Even harder to pick a champion in Moto3, though. Um, because... <laughs> This is our. This has got to be Pound Poundbex, the best motorcycle racing or motorsport series anywhere in the world. Very few series produce excitement quite like Moto Three. Um. Yes. It's horrendously nervy to watch yeah. because you just got like seventeen little gnats flying around that just weave and then ain't one another coming at the last bend. And oh my dear lord. Um, I think my maternal instincts have finally grown on me and I just want to cover them all in um, bubble wrap and send them out then because I could probably breathe while watching it. Um, but it makes for great viewing. It's, 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 yeah, it's one of those where it's, it's I stop breathing a few times, just kind of have, oh my God, there's not enough room in there, please stop. Um, but it's so enjoyable to watch, and um, it is brought up. You know, you know when you've had a bad weekend with Moto Two and Moto GP, but Moto Three has been absolutely amazing. It's like we can fill two hours show just talking about one yeah. race. Moto Three um, is an absolute joy. Uh, it is. It's and incredible, it's, and, and it, I never it, want it to change. No, and it's never it's, change. It's, well, there has been a bit of a change for Moto Three this season, hasn't it? Because it's it's unpredictable at the best of times. But Moto Three's also had a bit of a refresh because three of last year's top mm-hmm. four. 
of the championship moved have up. moved up. Brad Binder's gone up, of course, to Red KTM IO. Uh, Francesco Bagnaia has moved up to Sky VR46. And Jorge Navarro has moved up to Cristini in Moto2, um, which leaves a bit of a void behind them. And it's very difficult um, to see who's going to fill that void. The one of that top four that sticks around is an Air Bastianini. And even he's got a question mark around him because he's switched teams. He's gone to Australia Galicia. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that was one for me because I think Bastianini was uh, incredible last season. Um, I honestly thought that I would have pinned him down for one of the title contenders. Still probably put my hat out there and say I think he's going to be there and thereabouts. Mm. Um, I think he really came into his own last year, didn't I? Um, so for me, he's got a yeah. I just think that the team change possibly could work as a disadvantage at the early part of the season. Um, but we will time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, time will tell. It's looking like being a very Italian dominated uh, Moto Three class this season. Yeah. Um, because we've got an Italian back in the class. Because boys and girls, the Forza Fanati bandwagon is back in business. Romano is back. <laughs> Uh, and he's, he's with a new team. And if there was ever a team named for Romano Fanati, it's this one. The Marinelli Rivercold Snipers team, um, mm. who've signed up Romano Fanati. Um, Bex, I mean, I'm not going to make the same mistake again of predicting a championship for this guy. I've been burned Good. by this already. Um, but, a few times. But if we're being honest with ourselves, he really should win this one, shouldn't he? Mate, seriously, right? Shouldn't he? <laughs> If he does not win this championship this year, he's never going no. to win it. Because, as you rightly pointed out there, his biggest and most dearest competition from last year have got... Well, from what bit of the season he saw last year yeah. before he got the boot. Yeah, midway yeah. through a race weekend. Yep, yeah. uh, see you later, mate. I'll hold the door and kick you out swiftly after you've walked through. Tarara bit was pretty much what happened for him. Um, so, you know... The, the the biggest and the you know the most competition that he was gonna have have moved up because they weren't making stupid decisions, um, but you know they they've gone on their merry way up to Moto Two now. If he does not take advantage of this and for Christ's sake win this championship, he's never gonna do it. He'll be the one that just gets kicked to the curb. Four by the way, so because he's just not. He, yeah, I can't. I don't want to say. But I think it's gonna say mean. I was gonna say because he's just not good enough. But that seems mean. No, I don't um, think it's totally fair. But he, he's, it he's is true. One. It's it, you've got a, a, a sort of reflection of how long he's been around in Moto Three. Romano Fanati finished second in the first ever Moto Three race in 2012. Remember hmm. who won that one? Maverick Vinales won that. Romano Fanati second, and look where the two careers have gone since then. Maverick's now the MotoGP title favourite. Fanati's still in Moto3. Um, and arguably, With nothing under his belt. And, and arguably no better than he was then. In fact, his probably stock was higher then. Um, yeah. Because he was a rookie then. Um, and yeah, Fanati's still in Moto3. With the on what was the Onjetta team, um, he's taken the ride that was being held by Nicolo Antonelli. Um, he's gone on, another Italian, you, you'll notice, he's gone on to Red Bull KTM IO. And uh, to pick up on a point that Neil Hodgson made earlier tonight, Bex, um, if, uh, we're going to find out this season if Akiyayo really is a genius um, because he's turned just about every rider that he's signed into a championship contender or championship winner um, mm -hmm. so if he does that with Nicolo Antonelli Moto3 serial crasher we know Akiyayo really is a genius yes or he's just yeah or yeah I was going to say uh, my other theory is that he just brings 
one rider back that he knows will be amazing and win the championship, sticks him in the, in his supposed riders Kevlar's and sends them every weekend because there's no way he can do that because consistently as he's done. I just don't believe it, mate. Don't believe it. What was funny as well, if you practice today, is that the guy quickest in both sessions was a Red Bull KTM IO rider, but it wasn't Antonelli, it was the other one, it was Ben Schneider. It was quickest in oh, both Bo. sessions, back for his, um, yeah, Bolive in Bo, uh, his second season in Moto3, and he was, yeah, he was quickest in both sessions today. Um, and um, he's a guy that we can keep an eye on this season. After getting a couple mm-hmm. of podiums last season, Silverstone and from every Sepang was the other one, the, the crazy race where everyone fell off, um, and Ben Schneider came through to get a podium. Um, yeah, he might be one to watch. Because for me, Bex, this season, my sort of guys that I'm looking at for the championship are those rookies from last season that lit up Moto3 mm-hmm. and are now back for a second season. Bulliger, Mia, Canet, yeah. Dijon Antonio. Um, surely these guys have all got to be eyeing a title challenge. Yeah, I would like to think so, yeah, because we, we talked about them last year as um, how incredibly how incredible they were and they, they performed absolutely incredible. For, I said that a lot. Incredible a lot there. They were they were incredible. If anyone was in doubt of how their season went last year, it was incredible. Um but for me, you know, we gotta continue that form and they were a, a joy to watch and they all just kind of slotted in like a sort of a duck to water. Um um and made it look like it was no skin off their nose to be fair. So the natural progression of especially Bullock, I I can't so love the way Keith Hewitt says his name Bullock. every time I, yeah I just, it just literally whenever anyone says it or if I know it's coming up in part of like what, whatever we're talking about I'll just have like Keith Hewitt pop up on my shoulder and just say it like <laughs> it really just tickles me I don't know why it gets me so bad you think I'd be used to it by now but I just can't get over it but um yeah for me I, I am looking at those now to sort of step up and fight for the championship because they proved last year, unless they were one-hit wonders, um, that they are good enough and they're they're a talent on a bike. And I'm not saying that you know there's other people that haven't been in that class longer that aren't, but they they really did sort of set that championship on fire. Yeah. Um, and and they were great to watch. They were consistently towards the top. So oh, why can't why why can't we have them as Total challengers for the yeah, they, they for, for this season. In very very different ways last season. Bulliger was very yeah. nearly the star rookie. Um, yeah, but I'm just keep saying his name. Sorry, yeah, Bulliger very uh, <laughs> impressed us last season um, because he didn't actually win a race, which amazed me. I, I, I keep thinking to myself, Bulliger's won, but he hasn't. Um, he did have a pole, did have podiums, didn't quite get the rookie of the year because he got injured towards the end of the season and wasn't quite fully fit for the final round um, in, in Valencia. Um, he's of course still beside the R46 Jean Mir who did end up with the Rookie of the Year um, although there's a bit of an unknown for him because Leopard have switched again for the third straight year they've changed mm. bikes they've gone from the Honda that won the championship to KTM and now back to Honda again um, so they've clearly decided that the devil they know is better than the devil they don't um, and Jean Mir will mm. have a Honda this year alongside a new teammate in Lydia Loy um, at Leopard Racing um, Canet was blindingly quick but kept falling off um, mm-hmm. so his championship position looked worse than it probably was last year and Dijan Antonio was the guy that took us all by surprise um, by finishing on the podium as often as he did despite being the least heralded of the lot of them um, in, in Moto3 and <laughs> the only signs of practice are that none of those are going to be the star rider it's Ben Schneider who was one of last year's rookies who might actually be quicker than the lot of them um, which just emphasises how unpredictable uh, Moto3 is um, 
Last season's Junior World Championship Championship contenders have also moved up, uh, although neither of them are, strictly speaking, rookies because they did half seasons last year. Uh, Lorenzo mm -hmm. Dallaporta, who is the Junior World Champion, he's at Aspar on a Mahindra, and uh, Marcos Ramirez stays with the Platinum Bay real estate team that he subbed in for half of last season. They've gone from Mahindra to KTM, so he might surprise a few this season, uh, Ramirez. Um, but there are seven rookies in uh, Moto3 this season. Probably fair to say, Bex, that they're not quite as stellar as the rookies that we saw last year. Um, no. But uh, let's go. Let's look, name them at least. Um, Bex is really looking forward to one of these names coming up. Um, <laughs> I literally still haven't got my head no. round Gigi Antonio yet. Yeah, well, let just, alone just wait to hear this one. this one coming up. Well, um, let's go through the rookies in number order. Uh, Patrick Polkinen, who's a Finn. Postman Pat Polkinen. And that's not me being obtuse. That is genuinely his nickname um, that he's been given by his team. They nicknamed postman him the Postman, postman earlier Pat. on. Um, he's on number four. He's on the second of the Peugeot bikes alongside Jakob Kornfile. Uh, Marco Bazzetti, who is an Italian, as the name would indicate. Um, mm -hmm. He's uh, in Tomato 3 this season as well. Um, just checking which team he's at. He's at the CIP team alongside another rookie in Manuel Pagliani, who's also Italian. Uh, Tony Arbolino, who Gavin Emmett brilliantly said today sounds like a character off The Sopranos. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, he's actually in the uh, the brand new SICK racing team. Uh, that's the SICK 58 squadra course, um, Marco Simoncelli Academy. And how good it is to see them on the grid. Um, yes. Being run by Paolo Simoncelli, yeah. Marco's father. Um, Tony Arbolino is one of their two riders. He's also a rookie out of CEV. Keito Toba, who's also out of CEV, he's a young Japanese rider um, who was quick whenever we saw him in CEV last season. His teammate is uh, in the Honda Team Asia team. He's from Thailand. His name, his surname has six syllables in it. Um, and it's a commentator's dream. Nakarin Atirat Fuvapat. Um, <laughs> he will be the teammate on the number 41. Um, at um, yeah, Bex is still trying to get her head around that one, <laughs> um, or a tongue around. I that can't one. say it. Nakarin Arirat Fubapat, and the other rookie who I think is probably going to be the best of the lot, um, Ayumu Sasaki, um, the young Japanese who will be riding for the Spain International Circuit team. This guy is both the Red Bull Rookies Champion and the Asia Talent Cup Champion. Um, so that guy has got pedigree um, on a Moto Three bike. So watch out for him. Um, on the Sepang International Circuit bike. He's number 71 um, this season. Uh, just to run you through the full grid, um, Persio, as I've mentioned, it's Pulkin and Cornfile. Uh, the Marinelli Rivercold Snipers team, I have Romano Fanati alongside Jules Danilo. He stays there from last season. The AGR team, uh, as I mentioned earlier, they've split their efforts between Moto3 and Moto2. Their Moto3 rider is Maria Herrera. Uh, the Sepang International Circuit team, keep Adam Noradin and uh, partner him, as I mentioned, with the uh, Red Bull rookies champ Ayumu Sasaki. Um, Sky VR46 keep Andre Migno. And who's his teammate, Bex? Bulega. Bulega. Uh, on number eight. <laughs> uh, Leopard, uh, they keep Joan Mia and partner him with Livio Loy. Uh, CIP, as I mentioned, with Mahindra have two Italian rookies, Pagliani and Pazzetti. Uh The 658 Squadra Course team have Tatsuki Suzuki and Tony Arbolino. Um, the RBA racing team have Gabby Rodrigo and Juan Fran Guevara. Um, the Del Conca Grassini racing team, brilliant name, uh, keep Fabio Di Antonio and they partner him with the Spaniard Jorge Martin. Uh, Rebel KTM IO have Nico Antonelli and Bo Benchneider. Honda Team Asia, Keito Toba and Nakarin Adarat Fuvapat. Uh, I like how easy you can say it. Yeah, I've been practicing. <laughs> Believe me, I've had to practice that one. Um, and Bastianini and Aaron Canet at Australia Galicia. 
Platinum Bay Real Estate, they have KTMs, Marcos Ramirez, and the sole binder in the class, Darren Binder. Um, Aspar Moto 3, Lorenzo Della Porta, and Albert Arenas. And the Sudmetal Schedel GP Racing Team, what's a quintessentially German name, and they have a German rider in Philippe Ertl. One rider you'll notice I haven't mentioned in that lineup, Bex, because we'll keep it until the end. The British talent team and John McPhee. What can we expect from him? Um, He's got a win, hasn't he? Hopefully, hopefully. One of the oldest, I didn't realise he was one of the oldest guys in the class now. How old is John McPhee now? He's got to be 22, I think. 22, 23. Yeah, I was going to say, he's roughly about 23, because I think he's a similar age. I think he was born in the same year as I was. Yeah, I think there's only Cornfile who's older than him. Oh, crikey. That makes me feel old. Can we not talk about that, please? But I'm only 23. But imagine how old it's going to make John McPhee feel, because he's going to be racing against a bunch of guys who are five, six years his junior. And we kind of yeah. still look at McPhee as a young rider, but he's, he's not anymore in Moto3 terms, so... It's a bit of pressure on him, especially riding for the, quote, British talent team. Pressure um, on him to, to do the business. Yeah, there's going to be a, a, a lot of eyes on him this season. As you say, you know, I still, whenever I think of John McPhee, I, I do still think of sort of a very young 18-year-old um, sort of ju just making his way. You kind of, you know, you, you tend to forget how long he's actually been around and needs to sort of start pulling in on the experience and the knowledge that he's picked up over the years and, you know, really stamp his mark and stamp his authority, sort of mark his territory in this class because I, I think otherwise he's going to get swallowed up and it'll be a real shame for him because we did sort of see, you know, a little bit of, you know, the best of John McPhee um, in some of the results that he's pulled out sort of uh, mid to end of last season but just ain't quite been good enough mm. yeah yeah, yeah. how does that sounds to say i think it is true um, i did say it with like one shot i squint in yeah, squeezed it, it, up because i felt bad yeah saying it, it. it is kind of harsh thing to say on a guy that that did win a grand prix last season but it, it was a, it was a sort of a it, it, you know not to say he didn't deserve to win the race but we can't ignore the fact that it was a wet race yeah um, and in the dry um mcphee I don't know, he just seems to have flattered to deceive to me. Yeah. I mean, last year, granted, he was on that god-awful Peugeot. Um, so th there's only so much we could have expected of him on that bike. But there are no there are, there are no excuses anymore for McPhee this season. He's on no. a, a Pucca Honda um, with the British talent team that's effectively built around him, certainly for this season anyway. Um, wait until next year when perhaps Rory Skinner moves into that team. Um, so... There, there is no reason now why McPhee can't succeed in this class. Mm -hmm. um, so um, pressure's on him um, for this season. Um, we've reached the end of this of this show, so it's getting to that time where we have to make our predictions. Bex, I want three world champions from you. Um, we'll start with Moto3, because that's what we're talking about at the moment, and this is probably the hardest one to call. But who are you tipping here and now, March 23rd, 2017, to be your Moto3 champion? Um, Ineo Bastianini. Mm. Do you know who mine is? Say it with me. Bulliger. Oh, the f oh no! No, I, I thought he was going to go Fanati. I really think I'm going to go for Adi Rat through the pack. Mate! Uh, no, no, I'm not even going for Fanati either. As I say, I think I've been, I was going I've been, with Fanati. Yeah, I've been burnt I by thought you'd one. have gone with him. I've been burnt by that one before. I'm not being burnt by it again. No, I genuinely oh. think Bulliger's going to pull it off this year. Um, as the, the rookie who just impressed me so much last season. Bulliger. Bulliger. Um, Bulliger. Bulliger's going to win the Motor 3 title I, I, for me this season. Um, 
Mode two. There's certain things about Keith Ewan that I absolutely adore, and that is one of them. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, go, Nico. That's it. Go, Bulliger this season. Uh, mode two, Bex. Um, Oh, crikey. Crikey, crikey, crikey. Um... Oh, oh, it's... Mm... I don't know, you know. I, I can't choose... I can't choose one for Moto2. I actually decided on my Moto3 one a lot easier than I decided on my Moto2. Well, while you think about it, I'll, I'll name my Moto2 uh, champion because I'm, I'm going to go for the, the perennial nearly man, uh, Thomas Luton. You're going to go Luton. Uh, to, to finally get it done and win a championship. I think the, the, the stars are aligning for him. The paths are, are clearing for him this season with so many of the top guys from last year out of the way. Um, he's got so much experience now um, and I think it's I think it's his time uh, for Luton to get it done. I think I'm going to have to go with you on that one and then just add on to the end of it that if he fails this year um, hang the helmet <laughs> oh so it's like a win it or retire for, for Tom yeah. yeah there's no excuse mate yeah, Bex has just designated Moto2 as the loser leaves town match like <laughs> yeah. this season if, if Luti doesn't win it he has to retire um, MotoGP then um, I think we're pretty much I think we're deciding between two here, aren't we, for the Moto Two yeah. uh, for the Moto GP yeah. Championship? Which of the two are you are you leaning blue or orange? Oh, I can't go against him, Mark Marquez. Oh, I can't right. go against him. Well, at least we've got some variety here. Because for me, it's Maverick Vinales. I, I, I'm, I'm all aboard the hype train for Maverick Vinales. I think, I think he's shown me enough to suggest this isn't just testing sort of bravado. He is oh, no. that good. I think um, he's going to push him all the way, but I think Mark Marquez is going to stomp his heels into the ground and drag them, kicking and screaming through the gravel traps as Vinales tries to run him all over the place. And I reckon Marquez is going to he's going to bite back, and and I can't, my heartstrings pull too much towards Mark Marquez. He has a hold over me. I just love him a lot. Well, blimey, that's that's quite a bombshell to end on. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so Bex has gone for Mark Marquez for Thomas Luti and Bassinini as well. Come on, Anna, yeah. Yeah, I'm going. I'm, <laughs> going, I'm going. Vinales, Luti, and Bulliga. Uh, Bulliga for Moto Three. Um, yeah, you're gonna get tired of us saying that name this <laughs> uh, on Bike Live. Um, keep your eye on the uh, Motorsport 101 website, motorsport101.net, uh, as Dre's 30 in 30 continues. Um, the Assuming you're listening to this on the day of release, which is Friday, March the 24th, um, his MotoGP preview, I believe, has gone live today on the Motorsport 101 website, so you can read that while you listen to this. Um, no, how fitting. Yeah, how fitting. That's that's, that's cross-promotion there, boys and girls. Um, as I say, all the different ways you can follow us, um, at Motorsport underscore 101 on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Uh, on youtube.com forward slash monosport 101 you can back us financially on patreon as i mentioned huge thank you to all of you who have now taken us to 100 dollars a month in patreon support um and as i mentioned all of it is on the website motorsport101.net where you can find all of the episodes of bike live and motorsport 101 which as i mentioned this week previewed the new formula one season um next week here on bike live we will review uh the opening round of the championship in qatar um, panel to be confirmed. Um, we hope to <laughs> we hope to get Bex back again. Um, for Fingers next crossed. Week. Fingers crossed. We hope to have her back again. Who knows? Week. We've had so much fun this last two hours. Um, so we need to get you back again. Hopefully, we can have the three of us together for a show. 
um, at some stage. Oh, that would be carnage. Yeah, it would be carnage, which is why it has to happen. Um, I, I don't know if I don't know if if we can bring the, this channel into disrepute so much so early on in our partnership yet. I don't know. Well, we've we've both sworn on this show, so um, uh, that's I, I, true. I think that ship has sailed. Um, but um, but yeah. So next week we'll uh, we'll review the MotoGP Grand Prix of Qatar weekend, and also we will preview the new British Superbike season. Um, Yay! Come on, JB. Underway. Yeah, the real JB is back uh, in BSP. Yes. Um, we'll talk about all sorts of stuff. Shaky Byrne defending his championship against the best of British and indeed the best, the best of, of Australia the of the world because Josh Brooks from Australia, Sylvain <laughs> Dittoli from France, uh, Davide Giuliano of Italy are all heading to British shores to try and take that title from Shaky Byrne in 2017. So we'll preview that next week as well as look ahead to the third round of the World Superbike Championship at Aragon, which sees the debut of the Super Sport 100. So, so much to bring you next week here on Bike Live. Also, keep an eye out next week for the new uh, episode 79 of Motorsport 101. Will Dre be opening the episode with an apology? He will if Ferrari don't get it get it done in Melbourne and win this weekend. Um, he fell victim to that Ferrari narcotic at the end of this week's show. So uh, keep an eye out next week for two new shows from Motorsport 101 and from Bike Live. Um, but from then, until then, from myself, Lewis Sotheby and Rebecca James Bex, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll thank look you. forward to your company next week here on Bike Live. Uh, until next week, it's thank you for joining us.